Just a quick disclaimer before this episode, we ran into some audio issues during the recording of it, and for that reason, you might notice some strange differences in the audio quality throughout this episode of the podcast. Don't worry, it's all still listenable, and you'll be able to understand everybody. We want you to know that this won't be a recurring problem in future episodes. Also, we talk about some sensitive material in this particular episode concerning the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that was happening at the time of the recording. Nothing crazy, there's no arguments, nothing major breaks out between us, but feel free to skip through any parts you're not comfortable listening to. We just want to remind you that this is a place for open communication, a place for understanding others' opinions, and a space to talk through things we might be thinking about at the time of recording. All opinions on this show are subject to change. Thanks for staying open and sticking with us. At the beginning of each episode, we like to take a second to thank our monthly patrons for their generous donation to the show. Thank you to Aaron Bachman for his continued support of the podcast. Visit us on Patreon to receive some monthly benefits and help us even more in our conversation about Active Hope. You're listening to The Only Constant, where we explore how minor change brings lasting hope. On this episode of the podcast, we had the opportunity to speak with Jerry Sola, a student at FSU. Jerry is double majoring with a BA in theater and political science, as well as pursuing a minor in philosophy. In today's conversation, we discussed his journey through the theater community, how he became interested in stand-up comedy and music, his interest in political science, and how all of these pursuits have influenced him to become a political activist. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening. Good morning. (laughs) How's life treating you? Oh, so great at the moment. How's life treating you? Life's treating me good. How's life treating you, Caleb? (laughs) Doing well. Thanks for coming this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. We've been talking about this. It's like the first day of class. It's been a while. The spring semester, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a minute. It's been almost a year. Caleb and I have been talking about this since... uh, yeah, you just said it. You I mean, a year. I mean, it was my 20th More birthday, and I had, uh, I'm turning 21 in July, so I mm-hmm. had this little, like, birthday speech out in the living room out there, and I was like, I'm going to really do a thing. I can change the world. <laughs> 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 but it was cool, because then Teddy, right after that, like, I, like, took garbage out to the trash, and he, like, stopped me on the way, and he was like, hey, man, I want to help you with this. <laughs> and, like, I just want you to know this is exactly how we started the other episodes. <laughs> the same story and really? everything. Yes. Um, <laughs> yikes. So if you're no. listening to episode two, you're probably having deja vu. <laughs> uh, it's, no. it, people better be prepared for repetitiveness. But. You know, it's, it's all part of the process. Something that I find very admirable is friends who, like, you actualize what you say you want to do, like you do it. And there's probably more people than, like, that statement kind of gives it credit for. But, like, I see it, I guess, with myself. And, like, you know, we do similar things. We do similar things. And it's, like, when it, COVID kind of put a big speed bump in it. But when prior and, like, as we were talking earlier, like, in the present, as things kind of come back, you're, like, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Like, this EP is something I've been thinking about for a long time. And now it's, like, a couple weeks from now, it'll be here. And I just, like, I can't wait for people to see it. So, like... And there's so many people who I talk about, like, the things that I do with, the things that I want to do, and like, oh, yeah, 
acting. I kind of want to do something similar. It's like, I'm like, all right, well, here's what I did. You should do the same thing. And it's like, I don't, I don't want to say it to step out of line. Like, I want to see you be successful. And I guess, I don't know. Sometimes I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad for giving advice, but I feel bad for giving unsolicited advice from mm-hmm. time to time. Like if it's not asked. Right, yeah. right. And it's like, all I want to do is help. All I want to see you do is succeed, and I haven't seen you do anything yet. So that's why mm-hmm. I feel obliged to you know, tell you to do something. And it's like, there's a lot of people who don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't do their own thing or they don't take your advice and you're like, well, so anyways, all that to say, seeing you who's like a year ago, you said, I want to do this thing. Now you're doing this thing. It's great. Oh, thanks, man. Clapping I, for I Clapping could, for but I will 100% back that up with I could not do it with this man right here and my family and friends around me mm-hmm. because, I mean, I talked myself out of it for a little while. It was uh, like you were nervous about what you would say, what other people say, or why did you talk so fast? Like who, why? Like everyone and their mom has a podcast right now. Yeah. It's like this train that just started going, and I guess I hopped on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just talked myself out of it because I was like, uh, first of all, I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, what, like, and I, I was thinking about it in the wrong way. I was like, what can I give to people? Like, how can I help the? How can I help society in my own way? And it really wasn't. It came down to me realizing that I wasn't providing anything. Like, I wasn't providing the information that's, like, bettering people. It's just hearing other people's opinions right. and how they go about life and just realizing that it's, like, life in general is a lot more nuanced mm-hmm. um, than we think. Mm-hmm. And even though there can be very controversial things happening in life, it's, like, there can be so many different perspectives on something that can seem plain as day. Mm-hmm. Like... The whole idea of something being black and white, good and bad, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not. I don't believe in good and bad. That's and I you rem- I remember that in mm-hmm. when we were in play analysis, and you mentioned you said something about everything's a binary, but it's not. Right. Like you you like quoted something. Everything's a binary, but it's not. But before right. we get into that, I guess I wanted to. I just mentioned we were in play analysis. Mm-hmm. You are majoring in theater at mm-hmm. FSU. Mm-hmm. How'd you get into it, man? Well, um, you see. When I was a wee lad, uh, I don't want to say it was an outdoorsy kid. I was, like most American youth, I would either play sports outside or I'd be playing games inside, like video games, like Call of Duty or whatever. I sucked at everything. And you do the rec sports kind of like for a different, I guess, motivation. And You do the what sports? Rec sports, recreational. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like I, I played baseball in fifth grade for two seasons. It's funny. There was, like, a picture. There was, like, a team picture when I was in fifth grade, and they had all the coaches in the back, but I was as tall as them, so we had three coaches. We looked like we had four because I was, like, in between them all the other kids. The average height was, like, five, five six. Anywho, um, like, I, I was garbage. I was garbage at all these sports, and, like, my family was, like, can you just do the next thing? Can you just, like, why, why are you still doing this? And... I didn't want to quit. I never liked quitting things. And um, I was in two different middle schools in seventh and eighth grade. And my hometown middle school was only seventh and eighth grade. And when I was in seventh grade at the first place, I like would see posters for the plays. And I went, I think I went to all the plays because I had a lot of friends who were in theater. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, they're so funny. Oh, this is so interesting. Like, I want to do that. I remember I would like stay after for the shows in that stage at that first school, like, 
my head was literally hitting my top curtain. I was like, okay, I don't fit here. And like, I literally do not fit oh on this stage. Um, <laughs> and then I, I remember it it's, was such a story transferring schools because the school that I transferred into was like a school of academia. Like it was a lottery school. And it was like, what, we lived with the number one high school in Florida for like 2017 or like some years. West Shore Junior Senior High. Oh. Yeah. We had a couple of friends in the school theater who were also from there. Um, and when I was in sixth grade, which is still elementary school, I really wanted to go there because, like, I don't know how to, like, put it in the right terms, but the school I went to for seventh grade was, like, more, like, general population, more urban, and, like, young, ignorant me was, like, I don't want to go to that school and, like, get beat up by, like, kids I don't know. Like, we would, their buses would, like, drive by our school, and they were, like, you know, so like, oh, fuck you, smoke weed. And like little, you know, naive, innocent. And he was like, I'm scared. I don't want to get beat up. So I was like, put me in the academic school with the nerds. We're like, I'll be fine. And I didn't get in. I know this is a roundabout story. Like, how the hell did you get in the field? I'm like, it's I'm okay. getting there. Go I'm getting it. there. Okay. Um, and uh, I ended up going there and I had a lot of friends there. And like, I ended up making friends with, the, you know, fuck you, smoke weed kids. So it was like, <laughs> all right. I'm like, I want to stay. Um, and my family quickly realized I wasn't being challenged academically at that school and I could succeed better. I also wasn't doing myself any favors because around that age, I would talk to my family, they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was always kind of auspicious. And at the time, I was like, I want to create a cure for cancer or I want to create an alternative fuel for cars because gas is bad. How old were you? I, 12, 13, something like that. Okay. Um, cool. And... I told my uncle that, and he's like, I have a lot of coworkers who want to do the same things, and they went to MIT. He's like, go to MIT. I'm like, what's MIT? I'm like, let's find out what MIT is. It's really interesting because I think that's a really kind of weird thing that Americans do because you're 12. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to know what you want to do with your life yet. But another thing about me is there were a lot of things like that that I – figured out very young. I mean, I had friends who were seniors in high school who were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something. I literally had a dream. I think I had this dream last night. Oh, my God. I have a friend from high school who literally, like when we were graduating, this kid, I think he went to like a community college as like an exploratory major, or I don't even know if he went to college. I literally think like I know this just from like looking at snap maps. This kid, like we all graduated like that same fall when I first came to Summer Seed at FSU. Hi. Um, he like moved to Tennessee. And like, I'm like, I'm like, I saw the snap maps. I'm like, what's this kid doing in Tennessee? And I remember senior year, he was like, I, I'll go where the wind blows me. I, I don't know where I'm going. Um, and like, now he has a wife, he has a house, he's in Tennessee, like he has a job. Like he, I haven't had a conversation with him, but it seems like he's thriving. And I remember, like I had a graduation speech and in the graduation speech, I was talking about like, all these kids are gonna do great things. Like, there's literally a line where I was like, we're going to have, we may have professional athletes, we may have, like, internet influencers, we may have, like, whoever. Um, and, like, and some of us don't know what we're going to do yet, but, like, we'll figure it out along the way. And I had that kid in mind. Well, and I, yeah, that's, it's, like, American, uh, what's the word, what's the word, philosophy, mm -hmm. especially in the school system, it's all very, like, uh, goal oriented and that's not a bad thing i'm not gonna mm. sit here and be one of those people who's like fuck the system <laughs> get out of it i think you know you gotta have goals in mind i think it's important for personal growth and stuff right and hearing you talk about this guy who's 
said, you know, I'm going to go where the wind takes me. I think it's funny because I think college has actually, what I've learned in college has mm-hmm. actually made me more like that. Yeah. Instead of getting so stressed, I definitely have goals and I have things I want to accomplish, but I don't base my entire existence around mm-hmm. those goals. And I think that, I think that, uh, the school system in the United States and uh, the um, the American philosophy in general just kind of hammers that into people. Right. And it's like, live for this end goal, mm-hmm. not for now. And right, it's right, like, right, I don't right. like that. And I think that's mm-hmm. starting to change. And I think people are kind of not... But but going back, to, I don't want to interrupt your whole story because yeah. I know we, were, we didn't even get to how you got into <laughs> yeah, the theater yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is already shooting off into some stuff to, to maybe talk about. I'm taking like, notes. I'm writing the notes. Yeah. <laughs> Little well, inside out characters like, uh-huh. It's like with creative... With creative stuff, especially studying creative fields in, in college, mm-hmm. it does still fall into this like goal-oriented... Like you must... You, if you're, you gotta make... Yeah. Like you gotta... You gotta make it. If you're find, the make job this, you're, find the job. Find the job in your field. And right, right, right. It's, it's very, I think there's a, a nice middle ground between, like, like find a job that you enjoy, mm-hmm. but don't sacrifice, you know, your happiness. I mean, that's probably, that's a pretty common thing. People always talk about that. I just think the way that we teach it, the way that we teach and up, like, the fact that you, your family was like, I know people at MIT, mm-hmm. um, not talking bad about your family either. I, I don't know your family, but what I'm saying is, like that's just something that is in our society. It's like you already start you start telling twelve year olds to to think about where you're know, going, what you're gonna do, and it's like right. just let a twelve year old like throw explore the everything and right have do all these thing, dreams. Yeah. And I I don't know if that's what happened. I don't think you were pushed. Obviously, you weren't pushed into doing something. But no. what I'm saying is, it's just interesting no. that we are already told to start thinking about that. Right. At twelve, right, instead right, of just right. being like, go learn for the sake of learning. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. There's like five things that I'm all gonna get to, but like once I finish the story, they're okay, all okay. So we were in, you were in middle school, you right? Involved. In My theater. uncle. You saw a lot of shows. Yeah. Um, I, so literally my whole family was like, oh, you want to do those things like staying at this middle school, going to like Melbourne High School, which was our, our town high school, like that will not get you to like the things you want to do. Speaking of like goal-oriented tracks, they're like, you got to go to West Shore. And I'm like, well, I don't want to go to West Shore because all my friends are here. Like, and it was very interesting because I think like this, we all make memes about like chronic depression that we all have and whatnot. And I think that kind of the, the track started in seventh grade and it's kind of been like a constant ebb and flow ever since. But in the spring, all in all, and I couldn't, recollect every single thing that was going on. I wanted to stay, even though there were things that like depression and suicidal thoughts like came into view at that year. Whatever it was. Like and I remember And how old were you at this point? Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. Literally I remember the last day of seventh grade was the day I was like, everything has come full circle. I know I want to stay. And there was a lot of ambivalence because that spring, like my mother applied me to West Shore like behind my back because the family's pressure to put me elsewhere, and the whole time I, and, you know, in my old age, I feel so bad for my mom because I took out all of it on her, and it was the rest of the family who was really, like, influencing her to do what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she literally, she couldn't tell me I got in until 
the second to last day of school, the night we were driving home, we're driving home. My mom's like, hey, Jerry, would you ever join math club? And I'm like, no. No. Why would I? No. (laughs) Math club, what? (laughs) Um, And then she's like, okay, okay. She's like, would you ever join drama club? I'm like, I I don't know. I I thought of it. Why yet? Like, and... Seventh grade, like, again, with all of these emotions coming into view and my mother being kind of a, like, the, the, I don't know, fulcrum is the right word, but, like, the center that, or the wall that I bounced all of this negative emotion off of because your mother is that, your matriarchal figure, like, sees most, if not all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, driving home and, like, when the tempers are flared and you're asking these questions, you're, like, you just, you block everything. And she's asked me all these things because... West Shore, they, like, had a summer math camp. They, like, had a little drama thing that you could get into in the fall. So she's, like, it was her way of starting the conversation of, here's your acceptance letter into the new school. And, like, I literally, like, curved her, and she dropped that that acceptance envelope into my, my lap. And the car was like, shit. She's like, yeah. And literally it was the last day of school I had to go to my middle school central and tell all my friends, like, yeah, I'm moving. Bye. Mm. This is great. And it was like, really? Um, and it's actually really funny because uh, – that party that I told you I went to the other day, like I, like it was a house party, like an apartment party. And like, I walk into this kitchen, I just hear Jerry and I whip around. And it was one of my friends from seventh grade who like, I didn't go to school with him after I moved. And like, I knew he came to FSU and we've seen each other a couple of times, but, like just bumping into him again. It was so happy. It was so fun. But <laughs> anyway, so coming around about, um, <laughs> I went to that school and, uh, so which shore was a conservatory? High school for no, arts? it was just a lottery school. You just had to send in an application, and they kind of you had to have certain test scores on like the FCAT or, or the FSA or whatever the hell. You had to have certain grades. You could oh, have you're like right. A C it was average. an academic school. It was an said. academic okay, based okay. school, so they kind of had the vet who would come in. Um, and yeah, so I I finally got in and I went. And they would like have an all school. It was also it was seventh to twelfth grade. Okay, that were the grades for, for West Shore. And the very first production, like play production they would do would be an all-school musical, so middle school and high school, the only all-school production they would do. And then like middle school play and uh, middle school play would happen in the fall and then high school play would be next and then middle school musical would go and then high school musical would go in the spring. And that was like the order of like everything that went. Because I think in winter you're like preparing for districts and whatnot. Um, and like all school musical came around and I had a friend, like I had all the friends from my elementary school who were there, like did theater. So they're like audition. They're like, you're thinking about it, like do it. Um, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know yet. And I went to the audition and I saw like people went up, they sang happy birthday. I'm like, who are these freaks? What is this? What is this all about? Um, and like in this auditorium, I just remember looking, I'm like, okay. And I didn't, I, they were like, do you want to go up? I'm like, "Mm, not yet. And I went and I remember I saw the all school musical that was uh, King and I, and I was like, I think the chick who played the female lead who, like, met the king or whatever. I forget those characters. I haven't seen or read that musical in so long. Um, and even the dude who played the king who who sang, what is a puzzlement? I was like, oh, my God. I was like, this is this is great. This is so cool. Like, okay, next audition, I have to go in. Oh, cool. And for the middle school play, like, I went and I did that audition. And literally, like, I just, I went and I did my thing. I had the time of my life. And it was, like, a weekend. It was, like, three shows or whatever. And literally... Everyone in my family members, like, that was the first thing that, like, I was so used to doing sports and people being like, you're bad at this game. That was the <laughs> thing where people were like, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> the way that the beat, <laughs> you're bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
that it was the first thing where they're like, oh my God, you're good. They're like, do the, when's the next one? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, do the thing. And the next one was the, it was the middle school musical. We did Aladdin and they had my white ass do Jafar. And they were like, you were fantastic as Jafar. And I'm like, I'm like okay. Dude, and I bet you were. It was, it was quite good, street rat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun time. Uh, yeah. Um, that's how I fell into it. It was the first thing my dad was like, stick with this. And there was a lot of conversations, like dinner table conversations. Like I remember like when I went to the new school for middle school, um, after school, there was a lot of times where I'd go to my grandma's house and there would be like dinner table conversations. And I was finding out about my dad's life, finding out about like him growing up in Long Island. I still never knew. Like he moved, he moved around the same time. Like I moved twice. I moved more than twice. There's a bunch of houses, but like big moves. I moved once from like fourth to fifth grade. Like I moved to Tampa for a year and then we ended up moving back. Um, and then seventh to eighth grade, like I switched schools. And so my dad moved in like fourth to fifth grade too. And he just like bounced around. I want to say Long Island, but also I'm under the impression that like he lived in Queens. And I, I don't know where he's from, but New York, New York. <laughs> um, and talking about acting with him, he was able to tell me the story, which I don't know if I've ever told you before. I feel like I may have told you before. I've told a few people. Um, he, when he was in college, because like his family, my, my father's side of the family would spend like every summer in Florida. They had like a little townhouse. They would come, they'd spend the summers, they like play in fields, you know, throw frisbee with strangers, do all that shit, you know, go to the country <laughs> club. It was a great time. Went to Disney. Um, and... So my father wanted to go to college in Florida. He ended up when he went to a Lynn University, which used to be the College of Boca Raton. And uh, he would go back home to New York. And when he was in New York, there was some like modeling agency or like talent agency that he was with. And he was able to get an audition for this band, which I don't know if you guys ever heard of, called Mr. Mister, which was like a popular 80s band or 90s band at the time. I think I have heard of them before. Yeah, I think they ha Are they Broken Wings? That song is really about. So take these broken wings. Is that a Mr. Mitchell song? Jamie, can we pull Research it up? Time. <laughs> <laughs> Research time. Uh, I can do it if you want. I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up. I, all right. Um, it, <laughs> wasn't, Jamie. it wasn't that song. It wasn't that song. Mr. Mister. Yep, broken. Okay, so that's like their biggest song, Broken Wings. I forget the song that he could have nailed this audition for this music video where like, the band's playing in the background, but it follows this character who's like running around like an empty hotel or something looking for this girl, some pretentious shit, you know, like that was the type of deal. Um, and my father hyperbolizes a lot of things, but he was like, Jerry, he's like, this talent agent loved me. She loved me. She was like, if you do this, we'll get you on so many other things. Is that how he talks? He 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 talks how I talk, kind of. There's, there's certain times there's certain times where our cadences match up perfectly and there's other times where I'm like, okay, no, I sound like this, father sounds like Sorry, that. I sound like my dad too. Yeah. 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 Yes, you do. <laughs> no, there's sometimes where like I'll see my friends and I'll meet their fathers and they'll speak in my I'm like the same guy. Yep. Like, those balls. <laughs> yep, that's right. Like, um <laughs> Wait, are you saying our those balls? It's like nah, it's a bad joke. <laughs> 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 Our balls look the same. No, no, no. Like you, you came from your father. That's what okay. I'm trying to say. Right, so, right, right, right. You came out of you came out of those balls. All right, let's move on. Try to gloss over that and just slip on the ice. Let's move on from the balls. <laughs> Anywho, my dad he couldn't end up doing the music video because the date where it lined up, he had to go back to Boca Raton for college. He's like, "Yeah, sorry, like." 
I don't know when the timelines lined up, but he he was like a partier in college, and that I feel at a young age hearing about like that stuff at thirteen, it kind of impressed me to not um, do certain things in college that like a lot of my other friends do, because like he he fucked around and he had to go to community college back in Long Island at Nassau Community College, and his parents like wouldn't let him go back until he like got the grades. He got straight A's in Nassau and went back to Boca. And, but my father didn't finish college. Um, and I think it, I don't know what it was, but like that year off, all of his friends graduated without him. So it was something like, do I want to go back to Boca and like without all my friends? Like, I don't know. Mm. All I know about the music video is he couldn't, he couldn't do the music video because he had to go back to Florida. And it was that time, like hearing that story, he told me, he's like, you gotta be in it to win it. So if you want to succeed with the performance, with the modeling, the acting, whatever, he's like, you got to be in it to win it, and I wasn't. And me hearing that in eighth grade, like age 13, I'm like, all right, in it to win it. I'm like, okay. And that that has been my mentality to this day. Like, okay. And there's plenty of people who are like, they're in the theater, and they're like kind of loosely used about it. Like, oh, I might do this. Like, people tell them to have a backup plan, and they keep it to be pragmatic. And my backup plan is really just my other avenues of performance mm -hmm. like my stand-up comedy my music literally like i talked to you about like i'm trying to go to new york for grad school after i'm done at fsu oh, that's um, right yeah and it's like if that doesn't work okay we do the music we do the stand-up like i'll write stuff i'll either try new york again or something will happen with the music and we just go you know like in it to win it like why am i gonna focus on something that i don't want to do and yeah. So now we can go back to like all that goal-oriented stuff. Something about my high school that I really didn't like was it was an academic-based high school, and all the teachers would impress upon us, like, all of you are here for a reason, because you're smart. You're going to go here. You get good grades now. And, you know, like any high school class, you know, sometimes you get a test that really bombs. The teacher's like, oh, I'm not impressed with your performance. <laughs> you I know you guys are better than this. Um, and... They would say, you're here to get good grades, to go to a good college, to get good money, to make a good family. I'm like, well, what if I don't want to do that? Like, yeah. What if I don't want to do those? I'm like, I don't know if I want to go to college because I went to this academic-based high school. I was surrounded by kids who... Who would just... They would get like an 88 on a test and they'd be like, oh my God, this ruined me. Or they would like... First weeks of school, they would be studying for tests and they're like, I have to succeed on this. Like, I have to maintain my A in this class. I'm like, dude, what? What? I'm like, I, when I was underclassman, when I was still in eighth grade and was underclassman in high school, um, I would like get C's or whatever. Like, I would try my best and not, it was only math and sciences. Like, I wasn't like an awful student. Like, again, I was a, I was a great student. Um, but for someone who was interested in going to MIT in the math and science classes, I was not succeeding. And it was very quickly that I was like, mm, I don't I don't know about this. Like, how am I gonna be like a mechanical or chemical engineer if that like I'm like, well, what do those degrees entail? Oh, literally you're a professional math. I had a similar experience because I really liked uh space. Mm -hmm. And I really when I was in seventh grade, I was like, I'm gonna be an astrophysicist. Mm -hmm. And then I looked into what astrophysics is. Yeah. And it's just math. Mm -hmm forever mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was like 
I can't. <laughs> I don't. I hate math. Like maybe not. Math was always like I could do it, but it was it was always my least favorite. I liked science. That was the weird thing. I always really enjoyed learning science, mm-hmm. but I always enjoyed learning science for the concepts, not for like all the calculations. I was just like I like learning about how the world works. Right. But I don't want to do any of the work. Right. Um. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm just I. That's a. I think. That's a similar experience. Right. You know, it's really funny. Y'all. Not trying to shit on the title. I love the title. But like I heard the title is only constant. I'm like, the only constant. Like, what about the Mendelfeig constant? Like, what about, yeah, I well, don't know. Now I'm glad you're not a math major. <laughs> <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be like debunking but our entire what show. Be... <laughs> Can we stop real quick? Sure. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support us even more and our goal to promote open conversation and active hope, consider donating to our Patreon. With your monthly pledge, you'll have the opportunity to get early access to episodes, have a shout-out on the show, and even snag some merch. Feel free to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for even more content. This show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Now, back to the episode. Okay, we had technical difficulties, but... Hey, we're back. Train keeps rolling. Starts again. They're in together, just like the jam band. All right. Um, <laughs> you said like it's the only constant. I'm like, what happens if like Ted and Caleb fight and like they do two different podcasts? It's like, well, we lied. It's, the podcast ain't the only constant. <laughs> That's the thing, though. That's mm-hmm. why we chose that title because the only constant in life is change. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to title it "Change" because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I feel like. I don't know. I, I, the only constant I just felt like, number one, it was a stronger title. Mm. Number two, it's wordplay, which is, you know, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then number three, it's like it really is the only constant in life is change. So if something does happen, like, so we're setting up this system where we're doing, like, bi-weekly releases mm. of episodes, right? Mm. Let's say something doesn't happen and like, one of those weeks. Well, it's in the name. <laughs> you know, it's not so much, like, it's, like, sometimes we can't help, th- like, the technical difficulties that we just dealt with. Right. We can't anticipate those things. I mean, we can. We can be as prepared as we possibly can for them. But if it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully Ted and I don't have a falling out. That would, <laughs> that would suck. Well, it's already started. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway. Um. Impermanent. I, mm, I want to go back to uh, high school. Well, you, you were So you were in high school. Mm-hmm. You got into theater then. Mm-hmm. Your dad... Like, basically, was like, you got to do this, or, like, you, you got to go full, you, this got to be your main priority. Well, I still, it wasn't even until 10th grade where I learned, where I was like, I want to go to college for theater. Like, I did this musical, did this play, I remember when we were doing Aladdin, the drama director was like, oh, this kid, like, has charisma, um, and he's great, Shafar. She asked me when we were, like, in a tech rehearsal, she's like, Jerry, are you going to be around, um like for high school to do like more things. I'm like, I don't know yet. I might like transfer to Mel High. Like when I was in eighth grade, that switch and that just culture difference between the schools, like there were kids with street mar- street smarts in seventh grade. And there were kids in eighth grade and ninth grade who like said racist jokes, didn't have the same degree of street smarts. Like maybe book smarts, they could like rip me to shreds at certain moments. Um, but I just didn't like the culture difference. I really didn't like the people for a long time. And I wanted to switch schools. And I still want to do sports. I'm like, okay, well, how do I be successful if I can't go to MIT? 
I'm going to go to Mount High because the other high school down the road was like a basketball school. I'm like, I'm going to make their basketball team. I'll get in the NCAA. I'll play basketball for FSU. I'm like, <laughs> now like looking at the presents like, mm-hmm. okay, kid. Uh, but like that was, I always had the, the, that foresight of thinking about the future. And it's, it's been a blessing and a curse. And there's been plenty of people who get on me. I mean, my family, they weren't as so severe. Like they appreciated me being able to think that way. Because like you said, kids at 13, 15, 16 years old, you, it's not even that you shouldn't be like, there's a degree of pragmatism in it, but it's like, live your life, dude. Mm -hmm. Like you can't always be thinking about the future. And it's funny because my parents would hit me with that in a lightweight way and I would be hitting my peers with that because I saw it as like a further tier of extremity when it came to these grades. And like it wasn't until I was in 10th grade and I realized, oh, like my grades are kind of really plummeting and it's not just the math and science classes now. Like I, everyone else around me is trying to get into college. I should start trying to do that too. And so it wasn't mm-hmm. until junior year where I was like, okay. And when I was a sophomore, like, I started hanging out with senior friends, senior friends like in the theater department and they had like a different perspective. They were mature. They like, it was it was a different culture like I was starting to look for. It was starting to get more comfortable around. I reckon at the same time I was getting comfortable around people who were my age, but there was still that immaturity that there was something that was turning me off to the entire environment. Um, mm-hmm. And... There were kids who were graduating. There was a kid who went to NYU, to went to the Tisch School of the Arts, and like there were kids who were doing other things. And it's like, oh, I'm like, oh, what's that? And you find out with theater college, colleges, you find out what you can do. And knowing that, like the older I got, I was like, oh, like I want to do that. That sounds fun. And I, I, I don't really think I thought about like that's the only thing that I want to do. I remembered when I was, ah, was that class in 10th grade too? I think that I also had another class in 10th grade where we read a Machiavelli's The Prince. And mm-hmm. my teacher was like, if you like this book, like become a political science major because you read the whole thing in college. I'm like, well, I love this book, so I'm going to become a political major in, in college. Never read The Prince in any of my FSC political science classes. But um, <laughs> like I love that material too. And political science, like we were all 16 in like the 2016 election. You might have been 17. Um, and it I was... I think I was 18. Might have been 18. Yeah, he's old. And I might have been 17 too. Because, Anyways, that <laughs> time, it was just something that I was honing into. And Bernie stepping into the field and offering a perspective that, like, was trying to be like, hey, what we know doesn't have to be all there is. Like, I was paying attention to all that. And I was tapping into that. And I was like, I don't want to do political science necessarily for, like, power. I want to do political science to find out what else is there to know, you know? Um, so pursuing it to be a better researcher? Not necessarily. It's interesting you bring up research because another class that I took uh, junior and senior year was this class called AP Capstone, which wasn't, it was like a startup program. It was like the second year it ever existed when I started it. And it wasn't in a lot of high schools in America. And our school had like specific tracks. That they Like they really stressed AP courses they kind of wanted to lean away from getting an AA and like dual enrollment, but we still had plenty of kids who were doing it anyway. And the school itself wanted to be like, take capstone, this makes you look better on a high school resume and like your transcripts. But everyone, if you talk to, was like, 
no one knows what the fuck this is because it's so new. Like this won't help you get into MIT. This won't help you get anywhere because no one knows what it is. And I think like my senior year, they literally like sending out memos where it's like Ivy Leagues and whoever acknowledging Capstone. So it looks good. And like literally my graduating class was the first people to be like, oh, this is cool. But I bring it up because that was a research-based class that taught me this is what research looks like. This is like what something credible is like. This is how you cite your sources. Like here's what a peer-reviewed journal article is. They're like, people can pick any topic, go on the internet, watch a video, see an Instagram infographic and be like, I did my research. You know, yeah. like, and that's, that's a grand crux of an issue like in our whole thing right now is people not necessarily knowing what research is. And there's plenty of people who do know it and there's plenty of people who don't know it, but everyone says they're doing research and that becomes part of the problem when not everyone is reading the same books and the different books have different intentions and everyone is trying to talk about the same image based off of what you read in your book. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like I have gotten in like, I've butted heads with my family extremely and it's at a place that it hasn't really been ever before, like in the present with how can we look at the same picture and talk about, like have a conversation when you haven't read my book and everything, it's like, I can say a sentence, but you don't know what any of the words in my, my sentence means. Mm -hmm. And so it's like everything I'm saying is going over your head and I'm getting frustrated at myself because I don't know how to articulate it. It's like trying to explain climate change to someone who doesn't understand the water cycle. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. And even something is as simple as mundane as the water cycle. It's like you can walk out, look at like sewage going into like a like a runoff going into a sewage grate. And you're like, oh, the groundwater. You're like, get that praise condensation. You're like thinking about all the chemicals that are in there. <laughs> And there's people who just walk by it. They're like, chuck a Wendy's cup in there. Like, yeah. they don't think about mm -hmm. the ramifications of things. And, like, a tangent kind of going off of that, like, I was, I, the other night when I went to this party, I, like, Ubered there, and I was making friends with the Uber driver, and we were talking, and we were talking about, like, we passed an intersection, and he mentioned something about, like, a pedestrian being struck, and we just talk about, like, accidents that we've heard of or witnessed or whatever. And he said, I, I don't know if he witnessed it, but he heard a story of, like, people who he knew they're these frat dudes who were like zooming through an intersection and like they got T-boned and they, they passed away. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I knew friends who were in that frat who were telling me about those dudes in that story. And it's like him and I talking about these instances were like, yeah, that was tragic. Like that was traumatizing. That was whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, these kids heard about their friends who were killed in like this, this collision. Um, and they're like, yeah, they're probably on Zannies and like, you know, like a thing, a bunch of like over Delta eight and like a bunch of other shit. And just like, so like, it, they had it coming. It's like total, this, it's like, how are you not like, yeah, my friend, my homie's dead. I'm destroyed. Like you are like, yeah, those kids are. You're so like. Probably because they weren't really homies. <laughs> you know, I haven't thought about that. Maybe. They probably were just like, yeah, these are dudes in the frat. Like, not, probably not as close as you think. Maybe. And, but even hearing that, well. It still sucks. It's it still like, sucks. And I mean, I, I got a negative stigma. To, sorry, frat dudes who are watching this, but I'm like, you're, you're, so your I life is some, disposable. I met um, some cool frat dudes. You know? There are. They do exist. There are very cool to frat dudes. To the one dudes. frat person listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're very cool <laughs> frat dudes, but I still carry like a stigma of like the, the caricature that like, oh, was he in a douchey frat? It's like, well, they all are. So no, but um, anywho, uh. But it's just, we were talking about, like, even in play analysis when we talked about, like, CELA and, like, our little climate change unit, like, mm -hmm. 
and I've been walking around climate change or walking around climate change, walking around College Town lately, and that person who referenced there being so much trash and just like lack of care for like the uptake of College Town, even though it's like one of our nicest communities, like the people living in it don't care, but the community itself cares. Um, like I saw it. You know what I mean? Like I saw the trash. I saw like the disregard, not just disregard for like human life, but just a disregard for everything else that is happening around them. And like no matter how much we push for awareness on this issue or activism like on this issue or like everybody likes to speak about if we all just did this, everything would be better. But like one of the very first lessons you learn in political science at FSU is this thing about like collective action problems and commitment issues. It's like, even when we have a hurricane, like we have an evacuation, right? If there's a hurricane, get the fuck out. And as people were like, ah, we'll ride this one out. It's like, even if it's a fucking cat five, they're like, yeah, we'll ride this one and out. They it's need like, to be helicoptered out. Right. And then you got to be helicoptered out yeah. because your house is underwater. Airlifted. You know? Airlifted. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that, that's the thing. And even with this whole mask debacle, it's like, all right, if everybody masks up for like two months, if we stay home, like we can knock this thing out. And people are like, fuck no, I don't want to wear it because whatever, I don't know how to breathe through my nose or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, those are commitment issues. Those are collective action problems. You will not get 100% of people to commit to something. And there's a lot of people who don't know that. So they operate on the possibility that that can happen. And I'm like, dude, listen, I'm a cockeyed optimist and idealist in certain ways, but also because of all the things been hammered into me and all the experiences that I've, and I hate, uh, there's been so many bitter people who've told me in my experience, like shit happens this way when it's like, well, your experience isn't all of everyone's experience. So shut up. Mm -hmm. So I hate that. I just said that. But anyways, um, uh, where is that going? Well, here. Yeah. Please just, interrupt. Just well, just to backtrack and clarify, because you're talking a lot about political science right now. But sure. I know you major in theater, but yes. and you're minoring in political science. Double majoring. Double majoring. I minored right. in philosophy. And I minoring in Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you got a lot on your plate right now. Yeah, philosophy. So done. that's why, okay, yeah. I can see now why you're very passionate about these. I mean, I am too about these topics, but like mm-hmm. how you can go into them and articulate these certain issues. But sure. I will mm-hmm. go back and say that um yeah. When you were in College Town and you saw the trash and yeah. like the disregard for whatever, yeah, 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 I will say that unless I don't know, I'm honestly like I'm sure that there's those select individuals who are the most like Earth warrior right, 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 person right. out there, you know. But it's I think I know I am 100% guilty of. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say that we all are guilty at this table of being like, you know, we are aware of climate change. We're aware of the things that need to be done to fix it. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's a lot of it is like, OK, so what can we do as a, like what can I do as an individual to help the environment? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like I started composting or started recycling. Mm-hmm. I started just like trying to eat out less. But mm-hmm. even then, I still have a carbon footprint. Right. Like I'm still negatively affecting the planet just by me living where I'm living. And but doing it's what I'm not. Doing. And the point that I was trying to make is that mm-hmm. before we started the podcast, we were like, hey, you know what we should do? Maybe after this, we should get lunch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right there right. is a carbon footprint right, because right, right. we are going to go out possibly and go get lunch somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like it, there was fuel that had to be used to raise those animals unless, well, no, because you're a vegetarian. Yes. Okay, so you won't be eating any animals. But <laughs> I'm just saying the fuel that was used to grow that food, to mm-hmm. distribute that food, to cook that food, mm-hmm. and then to serve that food, not right. to mention all just whatever. I mean, our carbon footprint, it goes down the line. So I think that 
I think it is important to emphasize activism, especially when it comes to the to the environment. But I'm not. I'm personally. I'm not going to sit here and because I just understand. I understand the human dilemma of like, well, I want to live and I want to. I want to. As you were talking about earlier, you know, well, I don't want to do that thing. I want to go be happy. You know, mm-hmm. I want to go do well, things that make me happy. But mm-hmm. it, it, unfortunately, sometimes happiness. I think it just uh, I think it depends on the version of happiness that we're talking about, like long term and short term. Because a lot of the main things that negatively impact our environment are the emissions are like those are the result of things that are very temporary for us. So it's like May I say something? Yeah, go ahead. Interject real quick. So you talk about like us and we're like, well, we want to do this and we we want to be necessarily active, like we want to do what's best. Yet we're doing all these things. But here's the thing. Us, our individual carbon footprints, even like you driving your car mm-hmm. as often as you do, it's so minute as just you as Caleb. But And even the mosaic of everybody driving is still small. The mosaic of everybody doing just their sole things, whether they compost or whether they don't, it's so small. But you also mentioned there's fuel to cost to get that beef, to put the beef in like a cargo truck and drive it and make the beef and whatever and even... So can I say something as well that I think you're going toward? Which is, sorry, were were you not done? A little bit more. (laughs) Um, Well, it's the people who are making the food. It's the industries where it's like... The industries. The industries that are responsible. The the main, like, we are all guilty of doing this stuff, but it's because... Mm -hmm. The system we live in. Correct. I, I I always call it a system, and I sound like a like a tin hat like a tin foil hatter guy, <laughs> but it's true. It's like the way that the our ecosystem. society is built and yeah. the way that the world functions at this moment is. It's like we can't even help but be even just the trash service itself is a carbon footprint because you got to send a truck out to go get it. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like you want to go yeah. recycle. Well, let's go use fuel to get your recycling. And then it right. probably doesn't even make a difference anyway. Right. And it's just a lot of it comes down to like, well, morally, you feel OK because I threw because I threw plastic into the green bin. Today. <laughs> yes. And it's like that's yeah. Yeah. that's like I compost, but I don't you know, it's it's. I don't know. It's uh, something has to happen on a larger level, and that's what you well, were getting it could at just take. It could take the government of America being like, "Well, we're going to ban single-use plastics." Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all, have which heard many of the, countries have already done. Yeah, mm-hmm. many much smaller countries who mm-hmm. are not as you know pluralistic. Their carbon footprint is like this compared to ours. Right. Yeah. And every. And, and it's nice that we're saying this. I think because I think it's very easy for people to be like. You're not doing your part, right. and it's like, and it's None like, well, I can't, are. I can't help like, it because right. the big guy said <laughs> the I, big guy, yeah. I can't, uh, I can't do anything. Right, so, right, right. right. Um, uh, well, I, it's like it brings everybody. It's one of those things where it's another issue that's very easy to like divide people on, be like, well, you don't recycle, and well, you're yet, a bad person, and it it's affects like, all of us. But what I'm saying is, we're all in the same boat, and we yeah. all are under this. You know, we're all living in this society that doesn't quite have it figured out yet with mm-hmm. with environmental impact. So well, here's it's not it's not who's good and bad. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. All it takes, and I'm in a I'm in a summer class right now called policy analysis, where we talk about legislation and programs that get enacted or whatever, and it's like these evaluator groups who say, well, how efficient 
are these programs at at achieving their desired goal? Like, if we have a legislation, like, let's take House Bill 1, which just passed, which I, I, we talked about in play analysis, and we talked Bummer. about when we hung out. Yeah. Have you heard about mm-hmm. House Bill 1? Okay. Like, DeSantis's goal to stop, I guess, you know, these protests from turning into riots, to burning down his cities, removing Confederate monuments, whatever they'll have you, or maybe he just wants lefties to shut the hell up. Who knows? But... <laughs> Program evaluators are going to say, okay, that went into effect or it goes into effect in June, or I think it's effective as of now. I don't know. But they'll say, well, how many protests are you still having? How many, like, or what even is your goal? They're going to figure out your goal. They're going to figure out the language of your bill. And, like, maybe the language in the bill is good as achieving with the mission, but maybe the actual implementation, like, are law enforcement officers leaning into your bill, or do they think it's unconstitutional? So they're like, all right. Fuck you, DeSantis, which is not likely, but entirely possible. Um, that's what policy uh, evaluators do, is they look at programs, they look at legislation, they're like, how are things operating in the long run? Um, and just, so they look at a bill it can't even, that has it, been passed, yes, and they look at it over the long term. After it's been passed, they look at it? They, they can look at, well, the political science, <laughs> political scientists look at everything in the past, present, and the future okay, because okay. there's always stuff to look at. But, and it doesn't just have to be bills. It can be programs like I'm... Well, I'm, you're saying they evaluate it. So it's like sure. something, is, something is established. Mm-hmm. There's like a social program. Let's mm-hmm. say they're like, or just, I don't know. I don't know anything about this, but like food stamps is sure. like a social program. Yeah, it's I'm a sure program, people yeah. have evaluated it and been mm-hmm. like, here's who's benefiting from it right here's how it's benefiting or not benefiting businesses is that what they're going into exactly and something you touched on like a very important concept is like who's the target population like Mm -hmm. is this and target populations don't just have to be people or demographics but like your target population can be bridges if you're implementing a program policy that's like to fix but then even then bridges probably go into like exactly city planners exactly so how does house bill one what have they what have they found out about it. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. It was just the example that immediately popped into my head. But, like, I don't see... I, I spoke out to, to the Senate, like, against House Bill 1. Like, I... You spoke to a representative? I went to the Civic Center, and, like, everybody lined up. There was, like, 100 people who lined up, and oh. I stood in front of a camera. And was it, like, talk to some... Oh, you were, like, doing a video. You went up to a something. podium, and you, like... Literally, there was... The Appropriations Committee was, like, on the other side of that camera, like, in the Capitol... And so, like, you were kind of live-streamed to them, and everyone just spoke, and you said whatever the hell you wanted to say. Um, mm. And it's... <sighs> That's active hope right there. Was everybody there... Um, everybody opposed it. Opposing it. Everybody opposed Nobody it. Nobody was there in support. Nobody was like, this is good. We had, And then they still passed it. They still passed it. We had, we had <laughs> some old very funny. white economist dude who was like a doctor who just, I don't know his credentials, but I'm like, you look brilliant, you sound brilliant. He's like, this bill will end up costing the state of Florida much more money, like thousands of, like hundreds of thousands of dollars more money a year if he passes. Because if you arrest more people, like a key proponent of the bill was if you're arrested in a protest that they label either an aggravated riot or whatever, you won't be, I think it's like, you won't be able to post bail. Like you, they won't be able to get you out of jail to like send you to prison or whatever. It's something like that. Like you have to wait. Whereas you could go in the same night and someone could come and just bail you out. So like, they got to spend more money keeping you there for a longer amount of time. Correct. And they got to spend more money sending officers out to go arrest you. Correct. And they got to send more money to have an officer surveying the protest. Blah, the blah, opposite blah, blah. side of this coin is also the prison system in the U.S. is also oh. makes a lot of money. Yeah. 
So like it's it's like I know there's a difference between jail and prison, mm-hmm. but that's it's interesting two sides of that coin. But I want to um, I noticed that so you got into theater mm-hmm. and kind of naturally flowed into political science, political science, yeah. and your talk about political activism mm-hmm. and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So how? Ooh, let me choose my words carefully. Sure. What? Because we've had this conversation, I believe it was in play analysis before, but mm-hmm. this idea that being in theater mm-hmm. is being like politically, let's just, for, as an example, politically active. Okay. I said no. It doesn't have to be. I said that theater is a great way to make things known, mm-hmm. spread the word about things. I mean, that was, I mean, the great theater artists from centuries, I mean, just if it weren't for those people, the government would have just remained completely totalitarian in some cases. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, this, just the censorship that we've seen, especially just in recent history, in the past, like, two, three hundred years, mm-hmm. you know, governments try very hard to minimize the amount of lashback that they get, yeah. you know. So I guess theater is a great way to make things known, but what bridge that get? Because it seemed like you wanted to be more active than theater was allowing you to be. Unless I'm wrong, but did it lead you to become more active? It's really funny. In the grand scheme of things, like, I can act. I am someone who definitely has that foresight, like I said, and I try to be as tactile and, like, each move is predicted as I can be, but my whole life has been go with the flow. Like, it's not like I have had things that figured out. I just came here. I went to like what interests me, what I was attracted to, mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. Everybody told me I was good at the theater. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure each of our theater groups had their own cliques of like, well, these people can cast and everything, and these people are like talented. Whereas we have you know Dingbat who keeps asking for a solo, but they can't fucking you know hold the tone, <laughs> you know. Like, and I, I Dingbat, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, And I just, I kept finding my way into those social circles. Mm. Um, And everything else that, like, followed. Uh, But as far as, it's funny. Like, there are are definitely, just kind of combining a lot of thoughts into one. And there was something with the the climate change that, like, I want to circle around back to in a moment. Please, yeah. I think I may have talked to you about this. I definitely talked to our other friend about this from Play Analysis. Um, But there are things like when I was in high school, there was this like comedy sketch that I kept thinking about in my mind. And when I was thinking about NYU Tisch and like, oh, you do an audition, you go to New York, like it's in person, like my friend who got into NYU had like an interview afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, I would think about what I would want to talk about in that interview. And I thought about this George Carlin-esque comedy special thing that I had in my head called like redefinition. I was calling it redefinition where I was like, I'm, how do I redefine American culture? How do I spark a movement that like redefines American culture? And like, as I was thinking this, this whole progressive movement started, like social media was booming, like the redefinition of American culture was already starting. And there were some people who wanted it to go in the same direction that I wanted it to, but 
it's like God made heaven and the earth. He made the good and the bad. Like he made everything. So it's like all of the externalities, negative or positive, were coming with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't like it was a stand up comedy special for the longest time. And uh, that idea of redefinition is like kind of still there. Like it's probably something that I still want to do. But I like. I don't know because sometimes like literally you could just be in the shower or you could be like falling asleep and you're like, here's everything. Like if I was on Caleb's podcast right now, like I could just say this and if a bunch of people here, it's like that old kind of like thought experiment where like if you could say something in the whole world would hear it, what would you say? And it's like sometimes like, uh, hi mom. And other times you're like, oh no, we have to talk about all these things. And now in this immediate moment, I'm like, well, it takes like a whole literature worth of information that like I want to share with you mm-hmm. and I can't just pull it out of my ass like right now and like <laughs> it it takes it takes time and it also takes dissemination between like what actually needs to be said and who it needs to be said to um but like that's that's the life's work like that some of it will come out through like pieces of art some of it will come out through plays that I write movies some of it there could be concept albums or just music where like I mean like this EP that we're talking about, like we're we're being whiny over girls in this thing. Like it's not saying anything profound, but it's like it's not like we can't do anything that says something to society. Like I want to, like I write lyrics or I'm like I'm heated about something, but also there's a lot of stuff that we know is very performative, and I think that turns a lot of people off to social media. It turns a lot of people off to progressivism, like just virtue signaling and saying something like be on the right side of history when the whole point, what does that mean? (laughs) It's like the whole point is people who disagree with you, who don't see eye to eye with you have a different set of morality and morality means right and wrong. Morality means version of what is good, what is bad. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't think it exists. I don't think it exists because like we can do things in America or I can do things that, that like, I'm like, Oh, there's such a bad thing. People's like, that's your bad homie. That ain't nothing. You know? And there's stuff that we consider despicable or unthinkable in America, but there's people who do it in other nations and are like, yeah, that's that's, that's the rite it. of passage, mm-hmm. the, the way it is. And so I'm like, stop forcing your morality on the whole world or thinking that everyone sees through your lens. Take the world for what it is, accept that the world is impermanent and not what you say it is. It's like... There's so many things. There's so many things I could I like sum off of now. But people it's really complicated because it's like you need you need to want change. You need to want mm-hmm. I think you not only people need to can't, want change, you need to want to change. Well what I'm saying is people can't people being a human means having uh you know Going back to what we were saying before, it mm-hmm. means having goals and having desires and having um, you, people have different points of view, and that's the most human thing ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't think people should stop having those points of view. If you think that everybody, um, the right side of history stuff, it's like there that needs to exist, and then the opposite also exists, and. I, I don't really I don't really know what I'm trying to say. I guess what I'm trying to say is like people you said a really good thing which is just take it for what it is. Just mm-hmm. accept the world for what it is. And that doesn't mean don't try to change things. What I it, it means accept everything 
that is happening, except the fact that some people want the world to change like this and except the fact that people want the world to change like this. I think a lot of people get in their own way in, in getting caught up on the fact that somebody else has a different opinion than you instead of just being like, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Can I say, can I add on to that? Yeah, well, here, let me actually, yeah, I, you yeah. can, but I just, I'm trying to finish the thought and wrap sure. it up in a way that I'm like, makes more sense because I think I know what I'm getting at, which is that a lot of people push against the opposite point of view, but if they put all their energy into just doing into, in doing what they say they want, be the change you wish to see, see in the world. That's the Gandhi quote. All right, Gandhi. Just yeah, yeah. do it right. and stop yelling at all these people who aren't doing it and it'll happen because it does. It, it, people put all this energy in social media onto being like, I'm better than you and right. I'm smarter than you mm-hmm. and if you're you're bad and it's mm-hmm. like I don't I don't care if you think that like right. nobody cares what you think about somebody else's morality it's not going to change somebody's mind right just do what you want to do right like I tell people you can say what you're going to say in two seconds but I like have told people mm-hmm. we've had this conversation too I saw this sticker on somebody's car mm-hmm that said like capitalism kills or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was like you bought that sticker <laughs> <laughs> you, you you engaged in capitalism hey, it might have been, so that you could yell about capitalism they might have been at a protest and someone said free bumper stickers you maybe it was free maybe, you're right maybe, you're very but right but guess what right. even then somebody had to produce somebody that sticker be, right. and somebody had to engage in capitalism to make a sticker that says fuck capitalism yeah right. and it's just it's one of those things where i'm like if you really hate capitalism then stop doing it well, but, but again, but you can't. The big we dude. live in this system because right, the dude. Right. I know, and that's the problem, and that's why I don't get mad at people. That I'm not mad at the person. I'm just like it's silly. I'm just like it's silly. Yeah. You, know? so, you brought it, and I promise you. No, you get Jerry. Right. You can say what you're going to say in 15 <laughs> I minutes. I promise you, Jerry. This is all about you. <laughs> but I, you quoted Gandhi, and I know that quote, and I had, I just forgot who it came Pretty from. Pretty sure it's Gandhi. It's Gandhi. Let's hope. Let's okay. hope so because that's like that's typical... literally what the show is about be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, and although change is the only constant in the world, it's like be that change. Like if it is the only and constant. St- and, and just stop spending so much time yelling at other people about it and just do it. But there is some nuance to the statement that it's like, well, accept that other people want things to change differently and then go from there. Like be the change you want to see in the world because ultimately if you do have two opposing ideologies and they're being that change, they're both being actively hopeful in their own way, mm-hmm. then eventually they do come to a crossroad. There's like, well, we have to either come to an agreement, we have some sort of, some sort of uh, compromise, or one or the other just drops off. But it's like, I mean, this whole, the thing I'm talking about, uh, we taught in uh, Introduction to World Religions, this class that I took mm-hmm. last semester, we, uh, the first reflection paper that we had it was basically talking about like religion and how like basically world peace and a lot of like a lot of the students including myself our paper our reflection papers were like well if people just do what they want to and let people do everything else that they want to do then the world will be fine and blah 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 and then like a couple weeks later uh, we were talking about how like we were watching videos of oh Perfect example. I forget what faith it is, but the majority of Miami is this faith, and they sacrifice chickens um, as part of their faith. And not a lot of people agree. They're like, you're killing an animal. 
to like, but like it's it's a thing. But y'all going to Chick Fil A? You'll like, see. What? That's what I'm saying. But like, you see, you see, <laughs> yeah. you see headless chickens on the street, and it's just like, oh my gosh, what are these people doing? And it's, but that's how they practice their faith. Mm-hmm. So she brought that up to us, and it's like, well, you have, you know, let's say you have the vegans in the room who are like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. And it's like they're not eating the animal, but they're killing it. But that's how they practice their faith. So if you disagree with that, but you know that that's how they find fulfillment. Where do you find that compromise? Just because we disagree with it morally, as we're saying, or ethically, it's still something that they use to find that connection with that greater essence, whatever right. that might be. You know, so I'm just I want to make sure I include that in this conversation because mm-hmm. it's really it's again it's not black and white and it's so oh god you know it's like some and one thing the only constant in life is change and I will stand by that mm-hmm. but. One, another constant, at least in human history, that I have found has been war. You can't really... But even war is changing. It, it is changing, but the idea that it still exists. Mm. We just had a cyber attack on a pipeline yeah. going from Texas to Florida. But that was a third-party group. And that's what I, Well, they, they say... Either way, it was an attack, yeah. I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. which implies like what are you it's some sort if an attack is a battle then what is this grand scheme like what is this large war that we're talking about so i'm just trying to include the fact that it's like humans are i mean that's why i love doing what i'm doing right now and i'm majoring in what i'm majoring and minoring in what i'm minoring in because it's like humans are so interesting mm-hmm. and i hope you remember what you were going to say <laughs> oh i do i do and it like Jerry's been sitting here this whole time like you stop talking. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I love it because like it started out simple and then you said, be the change you want to be. I'm like, okay, now I want to say a little bit more of that. And then you said your big brilliant things that you just said. I'm like, okay, now I got to say as much of that. <laughs> and like, I remember reading a quote and then you, you finished up with about the pipeline. Like that third party group, like Dark Side or Dark Horse, whatever the hell they were called, the Russian like hacker group. There's they been... Called, they were called Dark Horse? Some, something dark. Dark something. That's kind of cool. Actually. Yeah. Like the Katy Perry song? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they That's, love it. Sorry. I read a quote. I read a quote in a few articles. They said, like, we don't want to cause problems for society. And like, then what, what are you doing? What are you doing? But also, like, I read somewhere that it was like a, a ransom hack. Like, they said, do this and, like, give us money and then, like, we'll fix it. And apparently somebody was explaining to me the pipeline itself, there are no problems with the pipeline. They yeah. found out all the security information of all the people who, like, had transactions with the pipeline and, like, it was kind of a ransom, like, we'll leak this and spread private information out unless you give us money. So the pipeline was like, so wait, so we're not going to send any gas with, like, our truck people or whoever our business partners are because we don't want their information to be like, so we're going to hold for a few days or a few weeks, and so no gas is going to go out. And then I guess they remedied the issue or did whatever. Like, that's a perfect case in point of looking at the same picture and not reading the same book because we started a few shortages ourselves because everyone thought, there's no, like, the pipeline doesn't work, so Panic I have to buying. get gas. Panic Everybody's buying. sucking it up. Tragedy yeah. of the commons, exactly. Yeah. Um, but let's put a pin in that, and let's rewind way back <laughs> to our philosophical things. We also some great things. That is definitely going to be a highlight when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that in the video. I can't wait. I can't wait. All of this stuff on social media and all just the political ideology and people clashing in the streets and doing whatever, we think that, like, we want two opposing ideas of change. Here's what I found. Whether a lot of people know it or not, a minority of people know it, we all want these same things. And ultimately, 
We want to be successful ourselves at something. And for some people, that thing that you want to be successful at is fucking off. Smoking weed all day, laying out, yeah. not laying under the sky and just being like, yeah. <laughs> like some people, that's yeah. what you want to be successful at. Yeah. Other people are like, I want to do this project. I want to fight for a cause. I want to be passionate about something. Or pe- some people, they want to be passionate about Christ. And they're like, I want everyone to be passionate about that. You know, like, but that's what you want to be successful at. And other people say, oh, you want to be successful at something. Okay, take the path that I'm being successful at my thing. Right. You know? And it's like... Do what I did. Be, be successful on my terms, which is something I'm guilty of. Case in point with telling people to do stuff with acting that they don't do, and I get mad. And it's like, no, that's you being successful on my terms. Be successful on your terms. <laughs> um, but we want to be successful, and we just want other people to be successful too. And there's so many people who aren't, because that's America, that's competition, that's the American dream, was like, you have to have a loser. You don't have to have a loser. You don't have to have participation trophies either, but you don't have to have a loser. Yeah, I don't like um, the idea of participation trophies. Well, and I, I think, grew up with that, and it made it feel I think, fulfilled. like, loser is, um, well, there's definitely actual losers because of the American economy and stuff, but mm. it's like, loser, quote-unquote, is, is subjective because, you know, like the subjective loser is like you know someone who's studying business could become a CEO and then look at someone like me who's being a writer and they could be like what a loser right you're not doing anything but that's also not getting to know you at all but what I and that's just a judgment somebody's made but what I'm saying is Mm -hmm. is like I really like what you said there are some people who just want to if success to them is like just sitting under the sky and mm-hmm. enjoying the world, and I like I think I know I'm, one of them. I think I'm starting to fall into that. Not being a stoner, that's not my uh, <laughs> my goal in life. But what I'm saying, right. is, <laughs> happiness to me, I literally I don't know why, but I just looked into the camera when I said that on accident. <laughs> I don't want to be a stoner. Take um, but it's like yeah, you want to just enjoy success. To me, will be like having my close friends that right. love me and I love them and having a, someone and a partner that I love and mm-hmm. having a, a pet and having a cool backyard and just enjoying life. Like that is, yeah, I want to make money and I want to be able to live, but I want to make <clears throat> money to do those nice things, not because if I have a bunch of money, I feel like I did it right. I shouldn't ask this question at this point in the conversation, but what if you could do those things without money? If I could... Do those things without money? I don't know. That's something I'd have to think about. Like, there was a really, for real, this is going to sound crazy, but there was a moment in time where I really thought about, like, being a monk. I was like, maybe I'll just move to Tibet and Mm -hmm. be a monk. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know why I don't want to do that? Because (laughs) I don't have my friends and I don't have my family. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and I, and I do enjoy going out and I love going out. To, I love going out to restaurants with people, mm-hmm. even though my carbon footprint. Is <laughs> I love, I love the camaraderie of like, let's go get a beer together. Let's go get a burger, even though I'm pescatarian now. Mm-hmm. Let's go get a veggie burger. Jerry, we'll get some veggie burgers, um, and like sit around and talk to each other, and just enjoy the sun and enjoy like right. rom- a, a romantic. Like idea in my head, the beach is a huge source of that. Just going to the beach and being like, let's just chill out on the beach for three hours and drink a little beer and have a good time. Like that, t- I love doing that with people. Mm-hmm. 
or having a barbecue by the pool. Mm-hmm. Something about that. I, I was having a great time, even though I didn't get to swim. I was like, we, we, we did that, me and Caleb, recently. Yeah, water was cold. I didn't, even get to, <laughs> I didn't even get to swim, but I was cooking on the grill the entire time, and I was having an awesome time just seeing everybody enjoy themselves, and I was like, I'm ready yeah. to, for this to be... Because when you're a teenager, you don't really get to do that. You're kind of like... What do you mean? Being dra- you get to do that in a different way. Okay. But, you know, you don't have your own money. Right. You don't have your own job. You, you get dragged along. You get dragged along by your parents. And you, the, the thing that you do with your friends when you're 16, at least what I did, is our, sent, our idea of fun was like, let's go walk around and find these places where we can be independent which really just meant like let's go to the woods or let's go to this back alley or let's go to this right you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but now it's like i always looked when i got a car it was like let's go yeah let's go drive to the beach yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and then you start to take these little steps and then you get a job and then you have some pocket change and then you're like hey guys let's go to mcdonald's after school and and it's fun and then now when you're in adulthood and you're in college it's like you mix those two things together Mm -hmm. like being Young, wild, and free. Being a student at FSU was awesome because you go to campus and you're like, hey, does anybody want to meet up at uh, on Landis? And then you just chill out between classes, and but you you know what I mean? Like you're living your life, and that's how it is when you're an adult. That's just what being an adult is. You work, and then you have free time, and you play, and you play, Mm -hmm. or you do more. It's just and you keep being self sufficient. Um, Important note that I'm not going to forget. But continue. I there, there's a lot of things that like I still want to say, and we touched upon, and I think I may have mentioned it, and I may like repeat myself right now. But again, it's part of the problem is like saying be the change you want to be. There's a big problem with well, I don't want to say there's a big problem with be the change you want to be in the world because like there is and there's not, but there's also is it isn't a problem with any type of statement that you can say like. <laughs> This whole do you mentality, that's kind of where all this comes from. Because, like, and you even said it, like, well, people are cutting off these chickens and that's an atrocity. Or, like, that's, you know, people consider that not good. I personally, yeah, people, I don't. You're like, I could That's their less. faith. It's, but do, are you going to say do you to the National Socialist Movement, which is like a Nazi group? Mm. It was, like, talking about, like, in support of Trump. And they're like, maybe they didn't openly come out and say they supported Trump. But, like, they want the white ethno state. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, they are some of the most extreme you can get. Can I get. say something on that? Sure. Because um, I was raised in a family that was relatively, like, that way. Which really? Was like, do you? Oh, not, no. Oh, sorry. I was like, yo. I made that sound like I was a Nazi, <laughs> and I'm not at all. Quite the opposite, I'm actually. the complete opposite of a Nazi. Okay. Um, Jewish. <laughs> so what I was going to say is I, my, I've always been raised around people who are like, do you? And a very interesting opinion that people in my family have had is um, would you tell a Nazi that they can't speak about what they're what they want to speak about would you tell someone to not say anything and my family has always been like if a nazi wants to spew that they hate jews that's fine and i guess the line has always like we're not going to tell them they can't say something you're allowed to say whatever you want but the line is when you do something if you start killing people Mm. well then you're doing something wrong but it's really interesting because you know 
I have the opinion of, of like, I'm that way. I, I have that opinion because I don't think most of the time, like, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, I don't know if you know, but like anti-Semitism, there was a little flare up in like California. In the, right the now. The other day. Still happening. Right now, in New York. Yeah, yeah. In New York, it's happening and it's a shame That's and it so, makes me sad. Yeah, it's terrible. But I was having this conversation with my dad and I was like, I was like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you look at the Asian community and there were a lot of those those racist kind of hate crimes happening yeah. a few months ago. Yeah. But yeah. and I'm not saying they still don't happen, but the media doesn't cover it as much right now if it's still happening. But it doesn't seem like there wasn't this massive movement to hate Asian people. You know what I mean? Right. Like mm. it happened and then it dissipated. And I think the same thing is going to happen with this anti-Semitism. It's not going to become a wave. It is not going to become a full-blown thing. And it, it's interesting to look at how the Jewish community responds to it, because of course it makes me upset. But I think in today's day and age, everybody—it's like still identity politics. Like, mm, yeah. Jewish people are like, you know what? I'm not going to speak for all Jewish people, but I'm just saying like it's interesting to look at it. From, from an inside, because yeah. finally now I'm someone who can be like, oh, I haven't experienced it personally, but people that I'm related to in some religious way are being affected by it. Mm-hmm. So maybe I can say something about it. But part of me is like, I don't know if I want to say anything about it because nothing's happening really. Like right. not not that nothing's happening, but it's not gonna blow up into this. You know what I'm trying to mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. No, you're saying. You know what I mean? It's like. Is, do I need to say something? I would say something if it started affecting me. If I was walking around and someone was like truthfully going to hurt me because I'm Jewish, then, mm-hmm. you know. Can I makes. can I say something to everything you're sure, saying? Sure, yeah. I don't even know if what I said made sense. Oh, it totally That's what did. happens a lot on this podcast. It, it, it absolutely <laughs> I just talk did. and hope. I probably will. I probably disagree with what I said like 15 minutes. <laughs> that, that, that's me too. You're good. Well, it's all the same. And I'm as like, long as we know. We know. I'm amazed I don't take notes and I'm able to keep up with myself. And like, my yeah. family's like, it's a good thing you don't do drugs. And like, <laughs> um, also, I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about that soon. We will as well. We will. Go ahead. Um, but okay, saying something to a neo-Nazi is someone who is far right, accelerationist. You know, believes in the white ethno state or whatever. Some people like free speech. You can say it, but once you start doing stuff, whatever. And I'm like, ah, maybe. But there's so many people who tiptoe around and are considered a taboo thing because it's like, you don't know what, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that except for the people who have been indoctrinated into those types of groups, okay? Right, I think that's what I was trying to say too. Yeah. In Buddhist philosophy, there is a, a doctrine where it's like every situation in life is workable. And it's like once you accept and acknowledge that, you will move away from anger. And I wish I could instill it to my dad because my dad, it's like the fucking light won't turn on. He's like, nah! I'm like, dad, it's not that deep. You're going to be fine. Like It's literally like he was doing something with car insurance the other day and he's like texting this group chat in all caps. I'm like, father, (laughs) it'll be fine. Sorry. Dude, Um, there's this song. You ever heard of the, it's a really, they're a really small band. They're called Not. Not. Just Not. Like K-N-O-T? I might have. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They have a really good song called The World. The World. And there's a lyric in it where he's like, I don't want another world. I want this one. And then in the whole song, they talk about like, he literally, the lyric is, maybe something good will happen. Maybe something bad will happen. 
Mm-hmm. But he did, I don't want another world. I want this one. And I was, that's exactly what, it's very Buddhist. I was like, this is a super Buddhist punk song. Like, so it is a punk song. So it's it's like, kind of punk. And like, I was like, cool. that, I loved it because I was like, it, you know. Do you, do you know the a, name of the song or no? It's called The World by the Not. World. And, um, oh, the number two on Spotify. I'll check that out later. It's awesome. And okay. uh, what you said made me think of that, which is like, mm-hmm. of course I don't want a world where, I don't really know what would happen, but what I'm saying is things will happen and you can, it, it, you can work with it. Right. You can like figure out how to get, th- it sucks. Like, let's look at all the people in the past who have just been forced to be under a Christian, you know, like Faith. in medieval times, like, yeah. you know, the, Crusade. the, the, this inquisition, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Jewish people for all, in a lot of history have had to practice, you know, secretly. But they could still, I'm not saying it was a good life, but what I'm saying is you could still figure out how to, right, right, how to like manage. Can I, can I, and I want to speak to the the anti-Semitism rise too. Um, But like going back to this being every situation is workable. I like, I've done, I don't want to say like I've done some research because again, I haven't read like any like journal articles and that goes back to like what research is. But like (laughs) I... I've invested some time reading up on these far right groups because whether we like it or not, they exist and they have existed for decades. And Trump took them out of the wishing well for them to be like, we can come out now. Like, and they affect our society. They affect our society and our little Biden regime shit, whatever we got going on. (laughs) Like they, they're there. And a lot of people think again, it's like, well, free speech, you let Nazi speech. Like, uh, I don't know. So I don't know what to say. And I'm like, well, listen. They are here, so we have to do something about it because nobody else wants us here except for them. And so, honestly, like we, right here, we are clearly demonstrating that we have the ability to think critically about things. People who are indoctrinated in like a neo Nazi society or neo Nazist movement have an authority. An authority, this authority tells them, oh, you're not successful at something. It's because of other demographics who aren't white because this country was built for white people by white people or whatever. And when we allowed them to come in, they took everything from us and they said they're going to shit. They can't think critically they, because, because they're indoctrinated. Yes. And the people who do get ostracized from the group and they are literally in, like programmed to bash anyone who starts to think, dude, maybe he's not. I watched this really crazy video. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into this subject because. It's probably not something that we'll be able to talk about very knowledgeably. Is that the word? Knowledgeably? We'll see. We'll see. I'm an English major, so I should know. (laughs) Um, Maybe. But, you know, I've been thinking about the Israeli-Palestinian stuff happening. Mm -hmm. But I I saw this really interesting video. And and now I'm starting to watch more of this guy's videos. People people like Mm -hmm. us just send him questions Mm -hmm. to ask Palestinians and Israelis. And he just goes oh. onto the street and talks to these people. It's really cool. Like, just, just is he an Israelite? Or is I don't he... know who, who he is. I okay. think, I don't know who he is. He's American, I think. I okay. think he's Jewish. I don't know. Okay. But I was watching one about, you're talking about indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And he had a really good episode where he was in Israel and he was like, do you think um, Arabs in Israel or non-Jewish people or something like that in Israel. I think he said Arabs specifically should have uh, the same rights as Jewish people. 
in Arabs Israel. in Israel should have the same right to Jewish people in Israel. In Israel, and I don't really know. I don't know what the laws are over there. I'm not going to try to claim any of that. But I'm okay. just looking at a specific example of one of the guys, one of the Jewish guys, mm-hmm. um, was like, no, he was like very. You could tell he was very into the faith. He had his long beard. He had mm-hmm. a little. I forgot what they were called. I'm sorry. <laughs> curly things. Yeah, his curly. They have a name, and I should. Really yeah. represent. <laughs> I should know it. I should know it. I'm a. Yeah. But Only anyway, ain't even wearing but, a yarmulke. But what he was like. saying, it was very interesting because he was everything he said was from the Bible. Like he was only quoting the Bible, and you said something like, "There's an authority that they follow," and so instead of thinking for himself, he was like. The Bible says, the Bible says. And so it just was interesting because I've never met a Jewish person like that, for real. Mm-hmm. Because I was raised in a reform synagogue and every that's a very open-minded type of Judaism. They, they allow you to question stuff. Whereas somebody who's an, probably an Orthodox Jew probably does have more of that authority authoritative outlook on it like well we're the jewish people so we are the chosen people so like you know you don't necessarily you're not on the same that's what the guy was saying he's like you're not on the same level as me right because i'm a jew and i just thought that was interesting well to that to that point like and i did want to talk about the israeli palestinian thing because that goes into our social media climate and like i I haven't even wanted to say things. There was a protest yesterday, and I wanted to go with a friend, and I was moving between people, and everyone kind of dropped me the last second, and I was really down because I didn't get to go to the protest. And I wanted to post a protest on my story and be like, come out and be nice, because there are people who have been going to pro-Palestinian protests and have not been nice. I've had these anti-Semitic attacks, and like, I didn't want to go on a rant about like, don't beat up Jews, dumbass, like, but I just wanted to say, show up and be nice. And I didn't even end up advertising the protest at all because I have friends who on their stories are just posting and posting and posting about the rise in anti-Semitism, like their, you know, Jewish pro-Israel perspective where they're like, they speak about how Hamas is being negative and all, like their things and how they're scared because of these attacks happening in California, New York and all over the country. And I'm like, and I want to be there for that person because those people are my friends. And I'm like, I'm checking up on them. And it's very slimy of me, but I could easily be like, oh, story post, like mute that person or mute those people. And like tell everyone else, go to this protest because this is like a thing that we have to like preach for. But I'm like, I didn't do it at all because I was thinking about that friend. And and maybe, and also I didn't, I didn't even end up going because like I said, I couldn't find a ride or a person to walk there with me. But... To the, the very issue itself, you, like, it sucks because the world just across time, like, there has been no state for Jewish people. And so that's literally why Israel was here. But even people are calling the conception of it illegitimate. And I don't, I don't so have do you all want to the... know something interesting? Because I will, I can talk about this. And sure. People might get mad at me, and that's fine. No, it doesn't matter. Palestine didn't wasn't uh, ever a thing what do you mean like it is it is now palestine is a thing now palestine was never like an established country an established country it was a colony of the english okay or territory of the english or whatever Mm -hmm. and so 
I'm not saying that Palestinian people are illegitimate. That's not what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to say is people think that Israel, like, took... Time land. out. It's like, what? What was it before it was an English colony? And I don't know what year, century that was, but, but like, what was I'm just, saying, like, free sovereign what I'm saying land. Is, He's referring to the time before the modern political lines that were right, drawn. Right, so right, like, right. Pre-World pre- War II, pre-World War I. During the whole, like, the 16th and 17th century, like, the colonial boom, mm-hmm. when essentially it was, like, Portugal, mm-hmm. England, and Spain, those are the, and France. Right. Those are the major ones that were colonizing all of the other continents right, besides right, right, Europe. Right. And basically, we don't know what those continents looked like well, prior to... Like, we had geographical maps, but I'm like, as far as how we look at them today, they... Each I mean, they they have those political lines that have been there since the end of that yeah, colonial yeah, yeah, yeah. reign. Yeah, yeah. But so wait, it's wait, like wait, they're wait. dealing with they're dealing with the repercussions of those actions. Oh, of course. It's, people have been saying it's a hundred years long conflict or issue where people are like, don't call it a conflict because you know they're picking sides, they're picking allegiances. We'll call it a conflict for simplicity's sake here. Um, it's hundreds of years old, but even before it was an English colony, like. It, even if it didn't have Jerusalem as an established city, it had the Church of Nativity where Jesus Christ was like conceived or whatever. And there may have, there were indigenous people who were living there. The same way like we know what America looked like pre-colonial era. Like, well, if you want to go this indigenous route, sure. Jewish people lived there thousands of years ago too. Mm-hmm. So, and I hate that. I hate when people start being like, let's backtrack to thousands of years. Like, who yeah. cares, man? We're in this moment now. Yeah. And, like, honestly, here's my, my opinion about everything is right. we need a two-state solution. Okay. And, like, that mm-hmm. is what... That's really the only thing that I think can happen mm-hmm. um, for any chance of Israel to not be, like, destroyed. You think it, you're worried about Israel being destroyed? Well, yeah. I mean... Honestly. Well, I'm I'm... I know what you're going to say because they have the most advanced defense system and blah, blah, blah. And you know what? You're right. They probably won't be destroyed now. But what I'm saying is people are, here's a really interesting thing. So there's a big argument of like, why would Israel throw as many missiles as they have or like cause as much damage as they have if they have the most, like they don't, it's unnecessary. If Palestine has nothing. But let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Sure. If somebody attacked America, mm-hmm. what would what? How would America respond? America react the hammer of God. So I'm not saying that justifies what Israel's doing, right. but what I'm saying is, doesn't it? Why is everybody getting pissed off? Not why is everybody getting pissed off? Because people would probably get pissed off at, at America as well. Oh, and they are. But what I'm yeah. saying is, <laughs> like, I see Palestine attacked too. It's retributive, right. Right, right, right? And Hamas, right, is a terrorist organization. Okay, sure. So, Ooh, sorry. Before you speak, I'm not entirely well versed in the timelines of everything. I'm not I, either, and I probably should know more. That's why I, I'm trying to tread. Le- that's why I didn't necessarily no, want to talk about and it because I'm like, not as educated as I. None of in actuality, we all live in America and like we and even picking sides, we shouldn't should we even be involved? We shouldn't adopt to a horse in the race. But talking about facilitating ideas is healthy, it's good. So, like, yeah, I'm I want to talk about it, right? We're not going to get mad. It's just, yeah, I took this class, I think, a year and a half ago, maybe get my numbers off, called uh, Intro to Terrorism. And people are like, What do you make bombs in the class? No, idiot. We talk about (laughs) Hamas, we talk about Al Qaeda, we find out like what. 
makes these groups and how they are evolving. And like I said way earlier, you're like, war is a constant too. And I'm like, well, war is evolving. And I learned that through that class. Hmm. So we learned about Hamas, right? And I didn't really remember much from it at that time. And then like, oh, hey, Palestinian-Israel conflict. I'm like, oh, them. The thing that makes a terrorist group, like, people hear the word terrorist, like, and you can even apply it to, like, the January... I just spat on the filter. Gross. <laughs> um, people, like, you could apply it to, in America, like, the January 6th, like, insurrection on the Capitol. The people who were there called themselves revolutionaries. Everybody outside of it calls them terrorists. And you can look at the word as revolutionary and terrorist as the same word. Sure. Like, yeah. Hamas came from... Israel being there and Israel saying either we want the whole 48 or we're, we're destined to have the whole 48 or even a two-state solution, like having what was Palestinian, even if it was a colony, Palestinian land, they're like, well, here we are. And again, I don't know how events transpire. I know what things look like in the present. And I'm not saying this to like be like ironclad, like to pick a side. Like I'm not worried about Israeli going everywhere because again, and Caleb, I don't know how much you know, but like like we've said, Israel has the money. Israel has a navy, and not an air force, like an army. They have armed forces. Palestine has Hamas, this terrorist group who's using tunnel systems to, like, make homemade missiles in defense of themselves. And there is, obviously, it's a terrorist group. It, there's extremism in Hamas, like... But it's not in defense of themselves. It's in retribution. Okay, so... Or... Just fin- finish the point you were going to say, because I have something I've been wanting to say for a little bit. Terrorist groups come from some degree of oppression or some degree of being unheard. That's all of them. Te- like, there is thought going on. And reckon some of Hamas, they've said, you know, heinous things, like you have to kill all Jews, you have to rape their daughters, you have to do whatever. And it's like, nobody, nobody's leaning into that extremity of it. But... When you do this thing, and because of a lack of a different term, when you colonize their land, do you? And the, when I refer to the whole forty-eight, I mean that whole kind of nearly triangular-shaped region that is Israel and includes Gaza and the West Bank. Mm-hmm. Like there are Israelites who like believe they're entitled to that entire land. Okay, and so because that was the Palestinian colony or whatever, and Hamas is Palestinians, or it was, or it was Gaza, they're like no. So they are going to use because that's psychology of war is to say kill these people, rape their daughters, do whatever. Like, And if you blame, it's easy to put people in a group. And if Netanyahu and the Israeli government is predominantly Jewish, they're going to target Jewish. And when everyone else hears that and they don't know all the nuances, the history, the entire argument, then they're going to be kicking people who they establish as Jewish in New York City or in L.A. Or there's going to be the anti-Semitic things. They're going to be spray painting synagogues or doing other things that are sort of surface level. So here's the thing, though. Yeah. Is like... Okay, so after this point, go ahead. I'm gonna say speak. what you got to no, say. No, go ahead. No, 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 no go, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want you to forget what you're going to say. It's okay. Go go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, as you guys have been talking about this, my mind has been constantly thinking about everything is workable. Yes. I disagreed with that statement when I heard it. And okay. even though it sounds very nice... Mm-hmm. It's ideal. In theory, it's it is very ideal. idealistic it is because very the situation that you guys are talking about right now is something that is seemingly not workable, mm-hmm. at least at the moment. See, so we're in this we're in this moment in time where there isn't a clear answer. There's a ceasefire right now. Uh, there's a ceasefire, which means yeah, that there was a ceasefire six, point, six, there's a ceasefire six years ago. Continue. You know, it's that's what I'm saying. So it's like 
right now we're dealing with a situation that isn't necessarily workable in the best way. There's got to be some sort of compromise between the two parties. So this Which is, is what, the two-state. So what if Netanyahu was removed from political leadership in Israel and you have someone who wanted a two-state solution? So what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that just does, does, immediately when you were like, you started defining terrorism, mm-hmm. terrorists, mm-hmm. how they come, like, they are the result of something. Mm-hmm. They are the symptom of something. They are not the sickness, they're the symptom. That's basically what you were saying. Sure. You said that. You said self-defense. Immediately, Ted goes, but it wasn't self-defense. Mm-hmm. So right there, mm-hmm. within your argument, there mm-hmm. was something that Teddy disagreed with, mm-hmm. and him being a Jewish person, he started to get a little passionate about it. I could tell. Okay. So and I, I actually, it's funny you said that, because immediately after I said that, I was like, wait. <laughs> okay. There's two sides to this. So this is what I'm... Another reason why I love the fact that I'm doing this podcast, mm-hmm. but one thing that kind of have to keep in mind with everything that we've been talking about this entire time, we've talked about Christianity, mm-hmm. we've talked about Islam, mm-hmm. we've talked about Judaism, we've talked about Buddhism. I mean, we have talked about religion. We've talked about faiths. And the big boys. You were talking about before, I think this is a huge link to the conversation we're having right now, is this mm-hmm. idea of indoctrination. Mm-hmm. But we also have to understand that these, so let's 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 go the very open-minded route. All of these people are prophets, right? There is the one great entity, and there's the Buddha who's a prophet. There's Moses who's a prophet. There's Jesus who's a prophet. Let's just make everybody happy, right? I'm just saying. So let's say, and I'm gonna talk. I want to talk about your faith after this. <laughs> but you know what it is, because I don't. I okay, great. So it's just it's this idea that people are being influenced, promoted, uh, encouraged to do things based off of their belief system. Mm -hmm. You have these different people like, just the people I brought up, Jesus and Moses and and Buddha, who have these philosophies, these teachings, these these parables, these... These are things that essentially humans have taken, at least in that moment, and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the answer. In their mind, they found the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, the, one of the first things we talked about in philosophy at FSU was the idea that there are different types of truth. There's a personal truth, there's an objective truth, and there's some kind of other truth. There's but ancient skepticism where truth may not exist. It's what that, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like this idea that there is a truth. There is this one thing that we need to do, and it's going to be right. Yeah. Everybody forever has thought that. And every re- new, like the new religious movements, the NRMs, all of them... We're under that same impression. Mm-hmm. So my argument is, were they indoctrinated or did they truly believe something and did they felt led to pursue that belief? So this whole idea of everything is workable, what if, as I mentioned before, you have you see a headless chicken in Miami and you're like, oh my gosh, what kind of people live here? Whereas the people who are living in Miami, they're sleeping very sound that night because they fulfilled their orthopraxy, that right practice of their faith, that right thinking of their faith. And it's, so it's basically like it, every human, if it's not given to them, like I, I live by the fact that humans make their own meaning. We make our own meaning, whatever that is. It's like we find meaning in things to give ourselves meaning, to give our life meaning, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And that can be a controversial statement. And I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, everybody's different, but everybody's the same. It's like, it's just, it's it's the idea that every, yes, it's the idea that every human 
wants a purpose in life. Whether that purpose, as you were saying, is laying down in the grass, looking up at the sky, high on drugs, or whether or not their purpose is to make the best company that's ever existed. Or maybe their purpose is to wipe out the nation of Israel. Maybe their purpose is to wipe out all terror, like the war on terrorism, wipe out all terrorists ever. But as you pointed out, if terrorists are a symptom and not the sickness... You're going to kill an ally eventually. You're going to kill an ally, and you're not dealing with the sickness. Correct. So... The reason you could basically you're open to speak now, but I just wanted to bring these things up because these situations are so nuanced, and and well, the reason that I I'm glad that you're bringing this up and you're talking about it is because that you are a Jewish person and it's a really hard thing um, for me to not it's like going off of what you were saying. Um, I think there is an objective truth. And the truth is, maybe it is like that skepticism idea of like, the objective truth is that there is no truth. Mm-hmm. Like, everything, we mm. just apply meaning to everything. And it's, I don't say this to my family, it's very confusing to talk about, and it's not really how I even live my life because it's a bad, I think it's a kind of a doom, doom and gloom way to live your life all the time. Like, you need, you need to create your belief you need to have your beliefs in order to you need to have be a hope. human you know you need to you like need, if you, you need to be if able you to feel stand things. for nothing you'll fall for anything exactly type of deal and so right. but, but great but <laughs> i got interested in buddhism and i got interested in, in meditation and i'm still interested in it um and something that i came i came to a conclusion myself which is just like everything is it's all silly it's all it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything None of it means anything. Israel doesn't mean anything. Truthfully, to the universe, it doesn't mean anything. It's really nihilistic. Um, well, but, but, but to the people living But what there. I'm saying is, this is where it gets very confusing. And this is where this I, it's hard to explain to people because it's hard to conceptualize. And for some reason, I just can, <laughs> is that we don't matter <laughs> at all. But... but Carry but on, we do. Yeah. Yes. But we do. But we do. Because we choose to. And that's really awesome. But what I'm saying is it's hard for me all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm living in this weird, not all the time, but I, I often find myself thinking about these things and just being like, I don't care because it doesn't matter because I'm going to die eventually. And it's, it sounds really gloomy and doomy, but it actually has brought me a lot of like peace, peace because... And I think it's one of those things where people look at it and then they get scared because you have to face the fact that it, nothing probably matters. But what it, what it, what this type of philosophy has brought to me is this, this sense of like, let me care about things because it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? It's really weird and hard to think about. But I guess what I'm trying to get at mm-hmm. is that Israel, Israel and Palestine and this whole conflict only matter to people because we let it matter. Like, we let it get to us. We let it... Also, people are dying. Because what I'm saying is people are dying because we let it get to us. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not trying to... Right, right, right. I'm not trying to, to diminish, the diminish anything that's happening. Right. It is happening. Right. I'm not saying that people dying is just whatever... What I'm saying is all of it 
is rooted back into this like we just care about stupid shit right because it has to do with your life and this goes back to the prior example that you brought up of well, I'm not going to say anything until I see someone if I feel threatened like if I feel, if I feel right. that my life is threatened that's when I'm going to say something which is why it's an issue because yeah. people are dying right and things aren't starting to be said until people start dying because that's are the the people who are going to say something are the people being affected as you pointed out so it's like even though it did, technically speaking like if the objective truth was there was there is no truth and Israel doesn't mean anything either way it's the idea that like you were bringing up the fact that these certain like Trump political groups or whatever or the neo nazis the fact is that they exist it's not it's like right. well you and know I, whether you like I mean, it or not. I guess I'm not trying to say things don't exist. What I'm trying to say is everything that's ever been anything. It ain't that deep. Is just because we decided that it was going to be that we way. We decided it was the deep end of the pool. So it, we, we decided that, and it's not even just Israel. Like, let's let's zoom out from this Israeli-Palestinian thing. Sure. Like, America just exists because we decided it exists. But America mm. was a thing, you know, the continent. You got Native Americans. Right. And back then... It was a different thing, and they conceptualized the world. Remember, we remember we watched that video yesterday about the Vikings, and then they thought they were at the edge of the world, and then all of a sudden they see more land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like until that moment, right? They just thought that things would. Mm-hmm. So now we just on we just decide fun. that things are the way they are, and then we just think about them that way. But like, and this is like blasphemy for me to say this, but Israel is just the Jewish state because we decide that it's the Jew- like. And I'm not going to be one of those people who says, well, let's go somewhere else because it's all steeped into not. I don't think people would let Jewish people go anywhere. It sucks else, because be the world doesn't want them. They don't for want millennia. them. They don't want them. Yeah. And, and even that is like, it's That's just tragic. all conceptual. It's all That's because true. we decide. I don't know, man. It's, well, we, we, it's hard to talk about. And, and the, ma- the main <laughs> point that, that, that the Jewish people want to live in Israel is because of it's the temple their, there. Exactly. And, yeah. and, and, and Fellas. Something I want to say, yeah, and then you can say what you're going to say. Sure. I don't know. I have to read more about it. Um, my dad gave me this book about it, about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. But the yeah. one thing that I'm pretty darn sure is true mm-hmm. is that at one point in time, mm-hmm. Israel has said to Arab people, "Come, to, you can come to us. You can come live here, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. And Palestinian people don't accept that because they want Palestine. They want it to be Palestine. Yeah. And that's when I say to myself, I'm not going to say somebody's right or wrong, but what I'm going to say to myself is, if Israel has said, just live here peacefully, we don't care, and then you don't. But that's that's erasure of entire ethnicity, erasure of entire nationalities, which people take such pride and like zealous belief in. It's like. Imagine if someone came into FSU and said, this is, I don't know, Thrashland. Well, I'm saying that because Thrasher's still here even though Thrasher's leaving. Like someone just came in. We weren't gnolls. We weren't garneting gold. I, right, I get we that. Yeah. It's, it's a very similar thing. But yeah. let's let's rewind the track. And I just wanted to like little, put a little last I just want to say that's a good point that I actually didn't necessarily consider. Think, 
Well, like, even when you talk about that, it's like, it's the same thing as being like, hey, Native Americans, you can just right. live in America. And but like, don't oh, by the way, you're called Native Americans now. <laughs> or yeah. it's just, or, or, or don't, it's just don't like, wear your feather, don't dress how you are, don't do your way of life, get rid of the teepees because we hate that and shit. That's, like, but that's why, like, that's why I think, you know, and I'm all for, I'm not saying Palestine, I'm, I am in full support, and I don't want people to get me wrong, whoever's listening. Mm-hmm. I feel terrible that Palestinian people have to die, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not thrilled that Israel is killing people. I'm not saying that it, it's justified. What I'm saying is, there's a reason that it's happening, and it's because they're being Jewish. They're being told we want to kill Jewish people. I, I'm just. I guess what I'm just trying to say is like I'm not justifying that people are dying. I'm saying when you look at the situation. How would you react if somebody said we want to wipe you off the face of the earth? Yeah. To the Jews. Yeah. Let's let's put a pause in that. And I want to just put an asterisk and say to both of you, I love everything that's got and I love being here. I I love this. I really do. Thanks for again, thanks for coming. Of course. Um, there was something I wrote down in my notes the other day where it was a sentence like, I don't believe that anything is indeterminate, but I also know that we are not omniscient. Meaning everything happens for a reason. Yeah. But sometimes we'll live, we'll die before we figure out all the reasons to everything. There are things in this conversation that we've mentioned. There are things I I know I still haven't said, and I forgot I haven't said it. But like, I will never fill in those blanks before this conversation. The book is closed in this conversation. Like, there's a life to this conversation. It's like string theory. There's a life to everything. I won't I won't revisit them. I'll try to revisit as much as I can. I won't get to all of it because of everything we're saying. Yeah. But. I, when I came back to Tallahassee, I was in a very rough state with my mom. And we just, we, kind of who we are, like, we fundamentally disagree on a lot of different areas, but I love her because she's my mom. And uh, before I even get to that, like, I just want to say, like, my, I, I told one of my homies from back home, I'm like, I'm in a bad spot with my mom, and, like, I'm, I'm worried about what it means for the future. He's like... Watch this Buddhist video I sent to you like a while ago. He's like, watch the full 40 minutes. Like, it, he's like, it always brings me back to center when we're good. He's like, when that happens with my mom, he's like, you'll be fine. And I did, and it brought me back. And there were three cores to Buddhist philosophy that this dude talked about at the end of the video. And he's like, you have to do them in this order or else it doesn't work. He's like, you have to love yourself first, mm-hmm. then you love others, and then you try to see reality through a coherent view. Mm-hmm. Like, again... We have that morality. We all say right side of history because it's our right side of history. It might not be yours. You have to make sure that filter that you take in everything with is clean. And he says that through, like, what is a coherent view of reality? And he said that means cultivating things that are, and again, I don't like using the word, but that's the word he used, cultivating things that are good for you. He's like relationships that are good for you, ways of speech that are good for you, habits that are good for you, and abandoning, abandoning bad things. And... And that's the hardest part. That's the hardest part because, like, and he's he said something else, and this is what brought me back to conflict with my, or brought me back to peace with my personal conflict with my mom. Is he says he's like, we want to put everyone, whether it's individuals, we want to put even, and I send it myself to listening to it. Like, we want to put like we put people in boxes that we made for them. We see people, we have their ideas of them, and I'm like, I'm chill with both of you. You guys could do anything you want to do, and I'm like, all right, great. But my mother obviously not the case. Like there's other people, there's my best friends who it's like, 
hide my ideas of them and what I think they should be doing. And so I, I will come with a box and say, you should be doing this. I made the box for you that you ultimately do not fit in. Yeah. And so now I have a social, personal struggle because you're not fitting in my box. And I'm like, I'd just be happy if you do this thing and you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others or one or the other because you're not going in my box. And if you just do what I said. But the Buddhist guy says, well, here's what you got to do. He's like, you got to strip away the box. Strip away whether that person's your mother, your father, your work friend, your sibling, your best friend. He's like, if you just look at them as a human and you realize how humans work where we put out everything and we try to impress everything that we're on, he's like, everyone's trying to do that. So if you just look at, well, they're doing what they're doing because this is human nature. Your conflict will go away because you're not trying to put them into something. That you're not. If you just live with that acceptance of accepting human nature and just going with that, you'll be good. And um, there were more things that I want to say, so let me backtrack to... Kayla, what were you well, saying? You said you said that ideologically speaking, you and your mother butt heads a lot. Yeah, and then you, for like a prerequisite of that. Thank you. You reminded me okay. something. You reminded me something. Um, my mom has gotten on me because my my mom doesn't go to church. She hasn't been to church, and I couldn't tell you how long. But whenever I'm like, I don't know about it. She's like, well, I'll pray for you. I pray you find success. You just do this. She's like, if you pray to God, if you just do this, she's like. I have my faith. My faith works for me. I believe my mother is in heaven. Like, uh, it works for me. It was like, you don't go to church, you don't know what your Bible says, you know? Um, and my, part of our conflict, I was like, how can I speak to you if you don't even believe in God? And I'm like, I have said to her, I don't believe in God as a divine being. I think one of the gr- worst things humanity has done is personify God, consider God a he. He's looking over us, he's doing all these things. Because that's that's the hierarchy, is mankind is son of God. And God is the omniscient, unmoving mover. If God created everything, stop calling him he. Stop acting like, oh, God answers in mysterious ways. Because then people are going to get mad at God. People are going to question their faith when their son drops out of cancer at 25. Because like, how could he do this if he's supposed to be love? If he's supposed to be all these things? It's like, you're personifying him. That's not it's what the God does. That God is all knowing, all powerful, and yet all good. Exactly. And going even further back to the Buddhist thing, like, where's my camera? I've never done acid. I've talked to friends. <laughs> I've, talked, <laughs> I've talked to friends that's, who have. That's the clip we're going to put. Oh, great. This is going to be two seconds of Jerry going, I've never this, this week, week with Jerry's. Jerry I've never done Um I've talked to friends who have, and everyone who does acid or psychedelics sees very similar things. And we'll get to drugs later on, but a problem with psychedelics is that I look at it like it's a hallway. You're walking through this hallway, and in this hallway, you're seeing shit that opens your eyes. You're seeing answers. And you're trying to get to like a golden vibration. You're trying to get to something at the end of the hallway because you keep seeing shit that you think is so revelatory, but the hallway never ends. So people romanticize psychedelics. Now let's put psychedelics aside. Something about that and, and ego death, the elimination of self, is that you really like... And when I was at this party... Also, you said something about... You were talking about prophets. When I was at this party the other night, this kid was... He was this kid he just goes... Alex Jones is a prophet. I'm like, all right, I'm talking to someone else now. <laughs> goodbye. Um, like, it just reminded me of that. But um, like we were talking about Christianity at this party with like a group of people. And um, 
a lot of people, and it's been a, a conversation like since you know we were in like middle school, where people were like, I don't know if I believe in God because like the Bible was written by man. The Bible is testimony yeah. that man saw these miracles, they did whatever. So it's man-made, it's folklore, so to speak. Like, what if that's it? So I don't know if I can buy into that. And there's plenty of other reasons to be atheist agnostic. But anyways, my mom thinks I don't believe in God. Like I said, I don't believe in the divine being of God. I believe that God is all of our human consciousness together. Because if God is a creator... And Alan Watts said something where he's like, Alan Watts is an English philosopher, and he's, he's had this meditative video where he's like, if you just lay down wherever you are and you just listen and you just lay there, you're going to hear sounds. He's like, don't try to put any thoughts into your mind. He's like, it'll happen. You'll have connotations. You'll have things that just appear there without your voluntary control. Mm-hmm. And it's like even seeing this table, even if you're laying there and you're listening to whatever, if you like, if you're touching the ground that you're laying on, you're creating those sensations. You see? Everything you hear, you're not trying to do it, but you are. Every thought that you're having, you're creating those thoughts, you're creating those ideas yourself. Mm-hmm. So you are your own creator. But and some people mm-hmm. say, like, it's a simulation, and I'm the only one that's real nice. Shut the fuck up. Like, I live under the impression that everything I see and do, Caleb does as well from Caleb's perspective, Ted does it from his perspective, and everybody else is the same thing. So if I can lay on the thing and create my own sensations, everyone else does that too. And Alan Watts explains, he's like, so we are all God. And Buddhist philosophy also kind of says this, and I don't know the exact doctrines that it explains, but ego every especially in theater we talk about how ego is a killer and ego makes all of these vicious people who we discussed about are part of the problem in our conversation and when you eliminate that and the process of eliminating it is realizing it happens it's not just that it can't happen to everyone but it happens to everyone and you just accept that we create everything like you're saying everything like that's what you were saying everything is meaningless but it's not and like well everything Ted's saying People could be listening to this and easily fall into nihilism because they could hear that and acknowledge that and they don't know what to do with it. And I've had friends, friends who aren't at college anymore because they fell to existential and eventual OCD and they don't know how to cope with that yeah, meaninglessness. It's something, that's, it's, oh something, it's something that's really like... That's they're fine now. Everybody's you, good now. Yeah, okay. no, but <laughs> well, you, you go through... Some people aren't, but they're like functional. You but go anyways, through that whole... Th- I went through that whole thing and... It's kind of just like a crisis. It's just like a, right. a quarter-life crisis. But right. you said something very cool, hmm. um, which is about, well, two things that I thought were really interesting. Hmm. Uh, the thing you said about psychedelics uh, being like a hallway. Never heard it put that way, but I think that's really very interesting. Really good way to say it. And there's so exactly many people who try to get mean. to the end of the hallway, and it's... And well, what I'll mess. say is, yeah. I, have, uh, I have a friend who's done psychedelics quite a bit. And um, he's very smart because he's, I don't know how often he does them now. I don't know if he does them anymore even. I think I know the friend you're talking but, about. But uh, he, he realized, I've talked to him about it because I really thought that he was maybe going down a path of just like being perpetually stuck in this, well, whenever I want to feel one or like whenever I want to feel peace, I'll just, you know, do some shrooms or something. Yeah. And I was, and I think, and I was like, I don't know if that's how you do it. And, and I, he's, but thankfully he's smart enough to realize that 
the only thing that psychedelics are is a tool to get to the end of this hallway you're talking about. Right. The hallway, you can get to the end of this hall. Everybody gets to the end of this hallway, whether they, they want to or not. Do yeah. they? Yeah. Is the hallway life or is well, the hallway enlightenment? Well, here, let me finish what I, I was going to say. I think this example is like the end of this hallway is like the Vikings getting to the edge of the world and I, there's more land. Let me finish <laughs> what I was going to say, though, which is that it doesn't. the whole point is it doesn't matter what the end of the hallway is because everybody's end of the hallway is probably different. That's a whole other thing. Mm, um, what I'm saying okay. is, what I'm saying is, I don't. E- I'm not even concerned with the answer anymore. Okay. I don't even care what the answer, the big answer <laughs> is. What I'm saying is, I meditate quite a bit, and I've had friends that have told me about their psychedelic experiences. I've had those experiences just meditating, mm-hmm. like I have had. Exactly what you were talking about, Alan Watts being like, just sit there and listen. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how, I can't even really describe it, but there was just, I was in my backyard and I heard the birds and I heard the cars and I heard my breath and I heard the grass. And, and you I, were on a wave. And, I, and then I started, and then I, this doesn't make any sense, but I heard the fence. Like I was mm-hmm. like, everything is like, it, everything, it's that, that idea, that crazy hippy dippy thing that people always say, which is like, we're all one. Like I felt that. I'm not kidding. And I used to be very skeptical of that feeling. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I felt it. And it was indescribable. We're all, I don't even know how, but I remember that just like something shifted. Mm-hmm. Everything, was, everything is one. And it's hard. Sometimes you feel less that way and sometimes you feel more that way. But generally since that day, I'm able to be living and just be like, we're all, that's why I can look at the whole <laughs> I hate to keep bringing it up because I really don't want to keep talking about it, but the whole Israeli-Palestinian, that's why I'm able to look at that. And while I have my passionate ideas about it, I'm still able to look at it and be like, this is bullshit, guys. This Mm -hmm. is bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. people don't need to be dying. And they are because this is bullshit. Um, You're speaking to the idea of, like, the collective consciousness that he was talking about, the oneness. Yeah, and I I, I think about that in a different way. I think... I'm a big believer in individual collectivism. I don't even know if that's like a real thing. I think we all exist separately together. Yeah, I would. That's why it's like, that's, I don't think we all have the same consciousness that I think we probably perceive the world in very different ways. Yes. I don't know how you, maybe I look blue to you and I don't even, and and then your color blue could be, that's a whole separate thing. thing. (laughs) Um, But what I'm saying is, into, like we all exist separately together and that's what's beautiful about being a human like mm-hmm. and that's what oneness is to me being able to be like this computer serves its purpose and this cup serves its purpose and this microphone serves its purpose and I serve my purpose mm-hmm. and I can just be cool with that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I can be cool with how I can be cool with how Jerry carries himself and I can disagree with things that people do. I can disagree with a Nazi, but I can still be like, it. It. Ex- I can at least acknowledge the fact that it exists. Can I add on to that? Yeah. And be inspired by you and your beautiful words. Um, <laughs> this is a heady conversation, man. If people are still listening right now, if you have a headache, kudos to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen. 
this is we're just gonna me. I'm gonna try to get this conversation more grounded because this is just me, baby. We're we, going all out there. We could talk about Avengers in a little we, bit. We just sit tight. We're, we're not going super out there. Go ahead, I want to just like share an anecdote to that feeling the fence type thing. A couple like I. I was straight edge like entirely up until I turned 21. And even it's just been like alcohol and tobacco like once or twice. Um, it's not like. I love how a, you say tobacco. Dude, sorry. I, I literally <laughs> sounded like Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I still don't do much of anything at all. I'm still predominantly straight edge. But I had a friend when I was a freshman who she smoked weed. Uh, I don't know if she considered it. In college, you don't consider yourself alcoholic, but, like, it wasn't good, and she stopped it. Um, and she told me, she's like, there's no reason for it. It's the social settings of why I'm smoking weed, drinking so much, and she's like, you can literally experience the same things. Yeah. Like, she's like, being high in life. Yeah. And there have been, I don't, I remember, like, the moment that came to my head as you we were telling the story was it was Christmas Eve a couple years ago. Not a fun night. Um, with my family, and, like, it it wasn't good at all, and there was situations that, like, didn't have to be arised, but ultimately it was all familial. And um, I just remember sitting in my room and just feeling purple, feeling like I am a vibration, and I am, like, I'm not blue. We all know blue feels like I am purple, and I feel like me in the room is going... <laughs> And I'm like, it was the one thing that brought me solace that night. Like, the, the night was just, it was awful. And I can tell that not in a form like this to you guys. But, uh, yeah, like that, that to that. Um, but you, you speak of this, you have a degree of acceptance to you. It's an admirable quality. I'm glad I know someone like you because you're not like, if you can defeat zealousness, again, I don't really believe in good and bad, but that's, that's a great quality. And you said something way earlier about, well, people are doing you and people are falling to their faith, but it's like, how, like, and you spoke about me saying there's an authority, there's an indoctrination, but you said, how do we, I don't know if you said how do we know the difference or it seemed like you don't like know if there's a difference. You, I think you think there's merit to all religions or all these Abrahamic religions or all of these ways. And it's like, well, all of them are bullshit, but all of them... He's, he's, I believe in the power of belief. Okay. So. Okay. Regard basically, the, and the reason that I say that is because it's backed up by number one science, because placebo effect is proven. Right. So you can have two control group. You can have two groups, one control, one variable. You have you give the control group actual medication that's treating whatever they need to be treated, and then you have the one group that's being told that they're given that medication, where it's actually just duds. It's just it's nothing placebo but because they believe the fact that it's doing something for them it does help them and the results from the two groups end up coming out very similar right so the result of the medication that you gave them was relatively the same whether or not it was actually working or whether it wasn't so i to me believe in the power of belief i believe specifically i don't know about the whole collective consciousness thing but I know I still ask my family for prayer, even though I also don't specifically subscribe to an Abrahamic belief of God. Yeah, but I do believe that because when I asked them that, hey, could you pray for me? And I was I grew up 
being like, I'm getting prayer for things and prayer is working. I believe that that prayer is working. So whether or not it's doing anything and I can prove that or not, it's the fact that I believe it's doing something. And it is making a difference in my life because I believe it. Just like I'm making my own meaning. Anyway. Well, prayer is everybody. And, you know, we talk about this whole astrology kick or and astronomy kick, uh, like that's been happening since like late or early 2010s. Um, prayer is just manifestation. It's the same thing under a different title where it's like, and again, if if God and the universe and kind of this individual collectivist consciousness, and again, like it's it's the same things and kind of like piggyback on what you were saying earlier. Like I believe the acceptance in like what God is. It's not necessarily that we're all thinking the same things or it's the, the panpsychism of that we're all one, we can feel it, but it's like it's acknowledging that anything that can happen to me can happen to you. And anything that I think and that my my however my brain is wired to work can happen to you, but also, I mean, then again, the caveat of, like, people who are born different or with disabilities, mm-hmm. their brain was different. Like, but mm-hmm. human humanity, humanity is God, because human the word humanity is the one thing that encompasses everybody. You can talk about Christians, you can talk about Jews, you can talk about blacks, you can talk about whoever the hell, like... But it's all humanity. Right. Yeah. And... Yeah. You you have certain people who talk about humanity, like, I don't want to have an American flag, I want to have a flag of the fucking globe. And it's like, that's, all right, it's a little corny, Dude, but I'd like... I'd be down for that, actually. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's our home. Well, that, that that's the hope we want. I was talking to you about the Great Reset earlier. We can talk about that in a minute, but that's... Oh, we're talking about other shit. We'll get there. True. Um, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I think we should probably wrap we'll, it up we'll soon, soon anyway, soon. because... I don't know how much space that camera has left. I don't even know honest. if it's a recording. Who knows? But I, let's, let's finish well, okay. what you're saying here. Yeah. I just want to say that I, because of the philosophy, I do believe that every situation is workable. And again, like I, that's why I try to read up on so much. And there is a lot of gaps in my knowledge. And sometimes I can be like, uh, Henry Kissinger worked with Bush, right? And somebody's like, no, he worked with Nixon. Oh, whoops. Like there's tiny facts. And I'm like, I, Forget, but there's also so many people who are like, who the fuck is Henry Kissinger? You know, like, the, and you can apply I that no to, I, he was like, I think a secretary of state for Nixon, but I don't know. Anyways, I try to read and I try, I just try to know as much as I can. Like when, I remember when I was in high school and people were like, oh, should I take this AP class? And people ask me because like, will it be good for me? Is like, am I, is that type of stuff that I can learn? Very AP classes I shouldn't have taken. I think I avoided all of them, but it's like, when I heard that question, I was like, yes, because knowledge is power, know as much as you can. And again, it goes back to that, like, nothing is indeterminate, but we are not omniscient, but knowing as much as we can. And sometimes there's a blessing and a curse of that. But like with the knowledge that I am gifted to have, I still believe that even these gigantic geopolitical circumstances like even the political division in america which creates a lot of nihilism and i think that there's just a lot of shit that people don't know but there is also a lack of leadership that is telling it to them but if we just heard that if we had a facilitator who shit if somebody could just plaster this fucking podcast out to you know more than just a college demographic of people i think that would do something good Mm -hmm. like Again, it goes back to the the whole carbon footprint thing. Like, well, the big dude is not letting me do that. Mm-hmm. The big dude doesn't want you to do a whole bunch of shit because the big dude is after himself and the big dude told you to be after yourself. Mm-hmm. When 
when you look into this God thing and like our perspective of God being just humanity's consciousness and not even like a big bubble of it, but your individualist collective where it's like, a, it's like cells or it's like if you zoom in on my hand, there's a bunch of cells. None of the cells are connected, but they're all Jerry, you know, like that's what God is, you know? Um, I love that we're calling um, what has historically been called the man as the big dude. <laughs> and I'm going to continue calling it the big dude on this podcast. <laughs> because I think we could make some merch called <laughs> the, the big, big dude. dude. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's not the only reason why. I just like the big dude. That's it. That's there the are plenty more things that I could talk about, but you want to check that well, camera no, no, space? No. Listen, I... Who I don't care. I don't want to interrupt our conversation because we had certain technical difficulties. But I would much prefer staying engaged in this conversation if we have to lose whatever. Footage well, I'm also getting me. hungry. <laughs> but I'm not saying we got to wrap it up right now. I'm just saying, like you know, yeah, we're getting there. What if we have a part two? What if we have a lunch break reset? <laughs> <about that? laughs> it's 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 um, you were oh god. God, what was I going to fucking say? It'll come to you. Oof, this is rough. What were you saying right before? Right before? This. You were talking about... Individual um, collectivists of how that just means pretty much cells in a system, but the system is humanity. Um, the big dude. The big dude. The big dude, but you were talking about how... There's no facilitators of the information needs to be learned. It just has to be acknowledgement. Okay. We were also talking about indoctrination, and like I wanted to speak about the religions... Oh, okay, 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 okay. It does. It does have to do with religion. I know that much. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't remember what you're gonna say, I, man, I was really gonna. It was something important too. Well, uh, I think what I would say to what you said is as well is, um, like, I agree with you. You know, it all comes down to. Um, it all comes down to the to the world we live in. Like, you know. The, the information that we're fed and given and the way we conceive of things is all based on what we see oh. and what we're allowed to see. And so um, I think but I think something that can be explored through that statement is the fact that, and it's kind of going back to what I was saying before about how we decide what things mean. It's like that's a, the perfect example of it is that the big dude decides, you know, what we're going to see and how it's going to be portrayed and who it's going to affect. And um, With the internet, he's losing that power. And so, exactly. um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're all... I like that because I think it allows everybody else... It's not going to happen in our lifetime, but as the internet is a tool for that kind of thing and... As we start to, I hope, I don't know, maybe it won't happen. Maybe this is a little too idealistic, but I think we can start to see, it's the same thing as like the Enlightenment with, uh, or the, the was that was the Enlightenment when the Protestants? Is it like Martin that's Luther? That's the Protestant Reformation. The, Protest, the Reformation, all that stuff. It's mm-hmm. like this, it's kind of a similar situation where somebody was like, hey man, you can read the Bible for yourself and interpret it yourself and stop listening to what oh. all these... And so what I'm saying is I think we're sort of maybe at the beginning of that kind of age where even though the Internet's been around for like almost for like 30 years already, we're still at the 
the forefront of what that means for society. We don't even understand how it's going to... It, it could be for the worse. I have no idea. There's a lot of things about the internet that I don't like. But one thing that you can't, that you can't like deny about it is that it gives everybody else access to information that isn't filtered through a corporation or mm -hmm. an organization. Well, now a majority of the time, but honestly, time. social media is sort of just it's becoming that. Starting anyway. to go through a filter. Um, Caleb, was there something you wanted to say? Well, <laughs> I remembered. I think um, I still have some doubt, <laughs> but <laughs> it's we were talking about how again, bringing up the fact that we're talking about this, the plethora of world faiths that exist on this on our home, the planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about your own faith beforehand and how, you know, you have these... And it's not necessarily, from what I understand, it's not necessarily a definable faith. It's more or less a feeling? Sure. Okay. Because I just know, I'm just trying to... It's fine if you don't have... Because I'm... I ain't got, I'm very I, curious. I'm kind of still forced to call it agnosticism, even though mm. I like kind of despise that I'm calling it an agnosticism. Um, but yeah, is, is there somewhere you wanted to keep well, going with? Let's just say that you being, even though you don't like the term, mm -hmm. let's say if even though you are an agnostic, quote unquote, what is something that you do in your daily life, mm -hmm. weekly life, monthly life, that's mm -hmm. actively hopeful, a decision that you make in your life that is actualizing, like you are being the change that you want to see in the world. You know, it's... it's if you have anything. I like to consider myself an optimistic and a hopeful person, and I don't know if y'all are familiar with the phrase of like black-pilling or white-pilling, but that was kind of why I was getting so defensive when you're like, it's meaningless, but we meaning I was like, eh, no, because like, I don't, I, I, if I'm anything, I'm not a nihilist. If I'm anything, I don't believe like, and I've been there. I have been like in the void, but having these discussions with my friends who do psychedelics and these psychedel these, these conversations about religion and like, we talked about the movie soul. Love that movie. It's a yeah. great movie. Great movie. Gosh, like, I love that movie. They, I feel like the flip side of the coin of nihilism, and honestly, I can't wait for the coming years, and you know, people are so fearful, and it's because we're in like a crisis period right now, but after that, it should be fine. And I think what leads to after that is the facilitations of ideas and conversations like this. Like, I feel like the flip side of a nihilistic coin is an acceptance of the beauty of life. And the beauty of life can come from everything. There's some people who like can sit in this room and be creating and looking at this table and be like, life is as black and as empty as the center of this fucking table. Mm -hmm. When some people can be like, somebody handcrafted this shit. Yeah. And just and that's smile. That's how I look at it. You know? And just smile. Mm -hmm. and be like, this is what, like, I get to share the world with this shit. That's so great. Gratitude. 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 Well, see, that's the, that's the thing, man. But it's, Sorry, go ahead. It, it, goes, it goes deeper than I think your acceptance because, again, like, my mother my whole life has been, I'm like, and that's part of our ideological differences, and I'm like, ma, for-profit prisons, it's a problem. And mom's like, eh, peace, love, and happiness. I'm like, you can't have that shit without work, ma. Like, yeah. that's the thing is... I don't like sure. blissful ignorance because, again, there's so much 
that applies and is applicable. But again, every situation is workable. And even if even if you're not, and that's the thing is, you have all these kids on social media who they're passionate and it's good. They want to be leaders, but you can't solve all the world's issues yourself. You can't know all the facts that there is to know. Mm-hmm. It's like Circle of Life or one of one or one of those fucking songs. Like, but do something, dude. Like, I think I have the potential of me, Jerry Soul, as a human being, to do a lot of work. And yes, that's ego in that statement. But I'm like, again, it's just you're like, where do political science like come in? Like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I'm going with the flow. Mm. And as I go, I notice that there are not a lot of people who are stepping on my beaten tone. So I'm like, okay. And in this capitalist society, I have to make money. I'm like, can I make money off of it? Okay. Like, let me do. It's like, because these thoughts, like, if God is all of our consciousness, then God put that thought into my mind. So one example of possibly, like, going back to, like, the, the, an active decision that you make in your life, could you think that, would you think that maybe it'd be, like, when you opposed House Bill 1? Mm-hmm. So do you think that that is an example of something? You I, if you had to, I guess, let's put it this way. If you had to summarize it in just a few words... What is something that you do that is an example of act? Okay. Just keep living. I have been suicidal for so much of my life. I'm not, and again, it ebbs and flows. And I can say, like, oh, for the last year, I've been fine. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you guys are alive. I'm glad you guys are in my life. Uh, I have had very dark moments, and I can start summers. I... Even even as recently as this debacle with my mom, it sent me low. And I wasn't necessarily suicidal, but I was depressed. I, I went to class. I'd come home. My roommate wasn't in town yet. I, I laid on the floor until it was bedtime. I may have slept on the floor for a night or two, and I went to bed. It's There's a bipolar depression in me, and that's something that I have to work on. But... Um, so just keep living. Just keep living. Just keep living because... Anything, and it's so cliche, anything can happen tomorrow, but it's also like you have to apply yourself to make tomorrow different from today. Like, mm-hmm. that's one thing. And that could, and some people are like, well, I don't want to put in the effort because it's too hard. It could be as easy as stepping outside. Mm-hmm. It could be yeah. as easy as stepping outside. And yeah, like, I, it's hard for me to pinpoint, like, hopeful things because my mom has asked me stuff like well what do you want like what are you after it's like if there's one person you you want to take care of in your life who isn't like I don't want to take care of anyone hmm. and I she I know she was looking for the answer like I want to take care of myself but even that I'm like I, I, fuck because it's bipolar depression thing but the hopeful element is to just keep going and there's there's other things that I could dive into of like how I think history works and that goes into this play that I'm putting up in the fall that I want you to be a part of because that honestly like that play that we're doing it's it's not as dense as this conversation that we've had but like it's takes a matter all before you see the fucking play if the play goes up is all I'm gonna say I'm interested interested. but I I think I think that's a a good like yeah I think that's a good little summary of what you've presented which is like especially hearing about your experience like some like when you talked about there was a school that was a basketball school and instantly you were like, maybe I'll just be a basketball player. I was like, that's admirable to me because I'm not like that. Mm. I'm very much, I go with the flow, but I go with the flow in this way of like, I'm going towards, let me, the ambitiousness that you had, Mm. that was awesome. Like, I'm ambitious, but 
I also am just someone who's a little bit more, you know, I, I don't want a lot of, I don't want a lot of complicated pathways. I want my life to be simple. It was very cool that, that was just a very cool thing you said. And so it goes back to what you, you know, um, just keep living. And, and uh, I like that a lot because that's all we can really do. <laughs> and the last note, because I finally actually remember what I was going to say. We talked a lot about nihilism during this conversation. And one thing that I want us to all be aware of is that religion, even though it doesn't seem like that right now, religion is actually on the rise. And yeah. nihilism is... People want spirituality. Fall. Yeah. like Well, in even, even, the, even the idea of using spirituality as opposed to religion. I mean, the first day of introduction of world religions, we, she wrote on the board, religion, superstition, uh, faith, spirituality, cult, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it, the whole idea was, okay, what's the difference between these words? And by the end of the class, we realized that there was very little difference between all those words. It's just the connotation that we put on them. And the only reason that I wanted to ended, end this episode with that is that what's great is that you are a perfect example of how you are not subscribing to any particular written faith, but yet you still believe in something and you still have some sort of faith. And... And I know you're doing this to it. I know I know that you're like, mm, maybe not. But from what I can gather, you are an extremely hopeful person. Yeah. And you are doing, I honestly think, dude, I'm so glad that number one, you're alive. Number two, that you're in theater. And number three, you're, presu- you're pursuing as many avenues that you are, whether it be improv, whether it be music, whether it be acting, whatever it is. I mean, I'm just glad that you are on the path that you are on. And even though, you know, sometimes it might feel like this and you don't really know for sure, or even if you're at a really low point, I just want you to know that me as an individual, I'm very appreciative that you are doing what you're doing, you know? So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on today, man. Thank you. Yeah, I enjoyed our conversation. Even when it got like, I wouldn't even say it got heated at any point. Even when there was a little bit of tension, like, we've talked before and we know each other but we've never really this is the longest conversation me and you have ever had mm-hmm. and uh you're a good guy yeah you so, are too thanks for no, coming even on even though we had that conversation earlier these <laughs> dudes have admirable characteristics <laughs> that y'all should adopt <laughs> well jerry yes thanks for coming on again and thanks for having me we'll see you next time see you next time bye everybody <laughs>